tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today on this very, very cold morning indeed. 1800-938-007. That's a free phone number. Won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the show today. You can text and WhatsApp 83 311 You can email Tip Today at uh, tipfm.com. Now, coming up on the show this morning, Johnny Luby is live in studio with me uh, last night. A sighting in the sky over Tipperary, Carlo and Kilkenny. Was it a satellite, a firework or a shooting star? Well, we'll try and find out. Additionally, uh, the show will feature listeners sharing their views on the ongoing conflict in uh, Ross Grey. And of course, the Friday panel will uh, unpack the hot topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We only have uh, three papers on hand today, so we'll have a quick look at uh, the headlines and uh, the front pages. The Irish Times, and they're leading with the story that uh, the number of people believed to have received uh, PUP, a pandemic unemployment payment, at times they were working, has increased uh, quite significantly with the estimates to more than doubling to between 50,000 and 60,000 people. So a report published last year by the C&AG outlined how the Department of Social Protection estimated that about 20,000 people received the pup at times they were working and there was a possibility of recovering up to 70 million euros. So good luck with that. Uh, Also... Pat Leahy has a piece on the front of the Times today telling us that voters in the Republic and Northern Ireland are divided on attitudes to the coming, uh, the Commonwealth and on the question of whether a possible future United Ireland should be a member of the organisation, according to new research. Yeah, I'd love to know your opinion on that. Would you have a problem with us being part of the Commonwealth? The Irish Examiner today, their lead story, over 1,100 social homes have been stuck in the same phase of planning system for the three and a half year period that uh, the government, the current government has been in power. Uh, the examiner examiner is dominated by a photograph of a robin perched on frosty grass uh, yesterday morning in County Cork but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous photograph indeed. Very worryingly Uh, There's been a sharp increase in the computer-generated child sexual abuse material uh, driven by freely available artificial intelligence software, the industry internet watchdog has said. And yet another uh, story uh, around UHL uh, this morning. Uh, An intensive care specialist uh, said a blood clot that killed 21-year-old Eve Cleary likely occurred in UHL and that her death would have been avoided if she had been administered certain medication. The Irish Examiner and their main story, just uh, one in three shops is expected to offer a refund service for plastic bottles and cans when the new deposit return scheme begins next month. Uh, around 6,000 retailers sell eligible beverages but most have not uh, installed return vending machines, so shoppers will have to go to another store to reclaim the deposit of up to 20 cent per container. That's what's making headlines today. If you have commentary on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. 083 311 Good morning, Johnny Luby. How are you, Johnny? Uh, good morning, friend, and 
Good morning to the listeners out there on a cold, frosty morning. It's very cold out there. I, you, you were saying, and I agree with you, it's the coldest morning so far, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is, yeah. And I suppose uh, coming down here, uh, one would have to be thinking of the council workers who worked uh, all through the night uh, gritting the roads with sand and salt or whatever. Uh, especially on the road that I travel now from Tip Town into Cashel and up by Rose Green and that. And look, everything is about taking your mm. time. So I came away maybe 10, quarter, ten minutes or a quarter an hour earlier. But the look, the roads were lucky that the, <coughs> the roads were dry. Yeah. That was the big thing, you know. But uh, the lads that put out the salt. Uh, fair play to them. Fair yeah. play to them, you know, at two o'clock and five o'clock in the morning, you know. So well done to the council for that. Well, we have a, a look at sport because I know you have opinions and all sorts of other things that's happening as well, Johnny. But sport, first of all, and uh, the Tip Kerry game, I suppose. That's right, Jeff. Frank was on in Nina last weekend, yeah. you know, and I, it was only a year or two ago that Kerry beat us in this Munster League and it was doom and gloom and that. But uh, when Kerry, no disrespect to them, they had a nice team up in Nina last Sunday and look, Tipperary got their win. Whatever it means in the Munster League, it didn't mean an awful lot because both of them had been beaten by Waterford and as a result, they were just going through the motions but Liam Cal has given maybe 32 or 3 players uh, a run in the two games so far and now in a couple of weeks time it's down to the the bigger stuff in the National League itself and you know they're training hard on that they're all in, in heavy training so like it all depends what teams they put out and what mm. Uh, they think of the actual league. I suppose uh, Liam would certainly be looking for a victory or two and see what mm. happens after that. Well, what are you seeing, Johnny? Are you seeing players emerge that you think would have yeah, well, a, a big future? Or? Yeah, hopefully, friend. I mean, like, one would ha- uh, have to expect in Tipperary that some of our lads would stand up, and they are standing up. There's a couple of lads there from around Moneygall and that, and they, they look to be standing up. You have young Bo from uh, Mind Temple too, who, you know, seems to be making it at wing back, and maybe Enda Heffernan and Clonality Ross Moore, young Quinn from and that look they all need the games they all need to put on this uh, jersey and mm. they all need to stand up as best they can and if they're good enough Liam, Liam Kale and his uh, uh, child and the lads in the background and all that mm. thing will certainly pick their panel of maybe eventually of maybe 30 odd players but look it's all to play for they are training well and what he has friends seemingly is uh, the under 21s uh, training uh, along with the seniors just to get him mm. uh, like a greyhound start them off, you have to give uh, give them a bit of company so that when they go to the first bend they'll know that they can be shoved in mm. or out or whatever the case may be and it is about getting them into line and discipline with training and to see mm. what does it take to become and not alone a temporary yeah. huller but any kind of a county huller you and, know. and speaking of the future of the Hearty Cup of course, I mean That's, that's uh, right Jeff. it is uh, wonderful for Tipperary to have two teams in the last four you know, uh, the big one of course uh, you have uh, Nina CBS are taking on Charleville and that game is in Capamore. Look, Nina looked good. I saw them in bench and I'm just wondering how good are they because uh, in my book as the opposition CBC that they beat in bench uh, possibly didn't play to their full potential but Mm. that's to take nothing from Nina who are certainly dominant in all uh, aspects of the game and uh, to wish Nina the very best of luck whereas the other one is certainly the big game with Tullus CBS taking on the might of Art Skull Reach yeah. of Limerick and there uh, Tullus look the fact that Tullus scored 30 points maybe in, I think to the second or third round of the Hearty Cup and then they they done away with uh, St. Flannan's of Venice fairly easily at the end of the day and they were fancied uh, and that uh, Tullus CBS they'll have it all to do against Art Skull Reach but I'd certainly would fancy 
fancy them. I mean, like when you have players from the likes of Holy Cross, Mike Herkey in from Killinall, uh, they have a young fellow in goal from Ross Gray uh, and that, and then you have the Salesfield mm. themselves and that. They have a tremendous pick, and you have maybe one or two from the panel from Borlehan and Clonolty Ross Moore. Uh, that game is down for Kilmallock tomorrow. I think they're both on down to be at twelve thirty. But if you're if you are going to the match, please God, to pick up the phone and ring somebody that, that would know in Tullus CBS and Nina CBS to see is the match on or is it postponed or is it put back for an mm. hour or two or whatever the case may be. But look, to be right. brilliant... Uh, but, but as of now, our knowledge is these games are going That's ahead. right, Jeff. And, and, and yeah. look, it is brilliant for the county to see Isn't these young fellas yes. coming through, you know. And we could have a scenario of two tip teams again in a hearty cup final like last year with Cashel and Tullus. Mm. Or we could have a scenario where none of the two are in it. But mm. so be it, they've got to a semi-final and look, hopefully a, a few players will come through. Very good indeed. In the football as well, uh, win over Limerick? Yeah, yeah, Fran, a fantastic victory for Tipperary over Limerick. I know this is only the Munster League and that, but they, they had to start someplace. And I suppose their big aim this year will be their realists. You can have no doubt mm. about it. The big re, uh, reality thing is mm. to get out of the Division 4 in the football. And hopefully they will. Uh, Limerick would always have a decent team out. But I was surprised that Tipperary beat Limerick. And I suppose in reality, look, Tipperary, they could... Uh, end up in a monster final. Whether they'll do them good or not, I don't know. And maybe then if they're beaten by Cork or Kerry in a monster final, then to play in this All-Ireland series and that. But they might be as well off in the in the, the B competition. But all I'd say is, look, do the best you can, go as far as you can and let the best horse jump the ditch after that. Fair play indeed. Uh, rugby then, uh, Johnny. That's right, Jeff. Yeah. And I suppose the big news during the week was Peter O'Mahony, a 34 years of age, captaining uh, yeah. Ireland this year. Uh, I suppose uh, there's a big question mark about his... Uh, attachment to Ireland and uh, the conditions of his pay and the whole lot the fact that he's 34 years of age but uh, as Dennis Leamy said it hasn't done anything to do with them he's in charge of the Munster setup mm. along with Graham Rowntree and uh, that and he, he played brilliant last weekend against Toulon uh, and that he would be a wonderful captain but I suppose having won the Six Nations and we like to win as many competitions as we can the big one friend always for Ireland is, is the World Cup do you start blooding them now uh, because the most they can play is maybe four or five matches this year and again next year and the year after and you need uh, uh, young fellas to stand up and be counted now and get them ready for the World Cup because we have no with all the, and this was our best chance ever this, uh, just gone mm. uh, we never got beyond the quarter final of a World Cup you know and even I heard the experts saying who Johnny uh, Sexton who was a wonderful captain but maybe uh, Mr Farrell and those they were too attached to him uh, there at times during the big game in the in the World Cup that maybe he should have been uh, as for the want of a better word, taken off, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, and uh, put on somebody else. But Johnny was probably ruling the roost. And uh, I'd say that next time around, if uh, Mr. Farrell is still in charge, there'll be different uh, outlooks on players. And that you need a lot of young fellas coming through at their twenty-five because yeah. it's a tough game. It's hard me. though, Johnny, and it's not just rugby. I suppose right across board, it's hard to not allow emotion. Uh, and as you say, loyalty to get in, in into decision making. That's right, Jeff. It? It, oh, it it certainly is. You know, hey, we were going holidays a few years ago with a lovely dog, uh, Ricky. I was cocker spaniel, and of course, we didn't leave him to the ke- to a kennel, so we left him down to my brother Jim. And you're talking about loyalty. The bloody whore never came back up to us. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't talk to me about lighting. So could you have anything? No, 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 no. And mentioning the same Ricky, I must mention uh, a funeral. Uh, of, oh, where did You'd say, where did the week go with Jane yeah. Fitzgerald, uh, the Lord oh, of Mercy? Now you'd say, yeah. where did the year go with Moss Morrissey? Yeah. We have his uh, anniversary mass tomorrow night in, in the bridge. Or in, it's in the church in Golden, but we'll probably go to the bridge house afterwards. But Moss was one of those great characters that we miss big time. Jim had a... a Jim seems to call all his dogs, my brother Jim, uh, the one name. It is Ricky 1 and Ricky 2. But anyway, he had Ricky. He was supposed to be a top-class, purebred uh, Jack Russell. And Moss was watching him one morning walking down uh, the hill in Kilfeekle where Moss kept a few horses on the right-hand side. And Moss looked at him. Now, Moss is 87 or 8. He looked at him. Jesus, Jimmy said, he's a right one. He said, and he is a purebred. And Jim says, how do you know? I'm just watching him. He says, he can piddle off both legs. <laughs> well, I had to laugh. But uh, we have Moss's anniversary tomorrow night. But yeah. to go back to Jane Fitzgerald, the crowds were huge in Devitts, you know. And looked yeah. a wonderful people to deal with, uh, the Devitts and that. And, like, I mean, the... the, the, the but I'm not surprised because Jane Fitzgerald was one of those ladies, you know, as I said, Fran, last week, and you know what, that was Jane Fitzgerald uh, uh, with a lovely smile on her face always, but to say to uh, Michael or Vincent uh, uh, and that, will you put on that fella? <laughs> and, uh, on a Friday morning. On a Friday morning, put on that fella, she says, I want to know what's going on in the county, you know, and that. Uh, that lovely? Yeah. You know, and, and, and to be fair to her then, she did say to my wife, Catherine, she says, you know, you're married to a beautiful man. I thought it was brilliant coming out of Jane. <laughs> Carlton wouldn't agree with that. But anyway, I'd I'd I better tore sure down this morning because uh, as I was, I had to come in here to Clamell to meet a couple of lads here maybe around a quarter to ten. Mm. But Catherine wasn't able to go to Mass. So ah. I, I know well she's tuned into Tip FM. Oh, so you better be careful. Yeah, I'll tone down this morning. You can't say half the stuff you no, would, you no, would no, do. No, do you no. want to give a quick mention of the soccer? Because I think St. Michael's are out, right? That's right, Jeff. And the best of luck to the three, there's three Tipperary teams left in the, is it the quarter final of the FAI Junior Cup. And St. Michael's had probably the hardest draw. They're away uh, up in Dublin tomorrow. The other two teams are at home on the, on the Sunday. But uh, it's a hard one for them. But the only thing is, that, uh, as Luke would have it, they're actually going through a good spell. Uh, at the moment winning their matches and scoring goals and things like that they will find it tough going tomorrow but I wouldn't be one bit surprised if St. Michael's please God emerge victorious tomorrow you know F fair, fair play indeed and uh, racing Johnny some, some of the racing meetings were that's were right Jared uh, uh, Fairy House was called off yeah. yesterday due to the ground naturally yeah. and that Tullus is down to uh, for Sunday yeah. it should be on with what I'm hearing on the weather forecast and things like that as of now it is on they have a huge card they have the horse and jockey uh, graded hurdle and uh, they have the Kinlock Bray chase uh, horses that will be running here if you want to go to see them they will be running in Cheltenham please God so Tullus is the place to be around 12 o'clock on Sunday and as Very I often good. said it friend no nicer place with a nice little breeze blowing tuck yourself up well top class soup sandwiches food the whole lot and keep your glasses clear because you will see the bloody devil's beat. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were in feathers, you were in the watering hole there, but just to, just to munch, uh, mention the, 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 the rugby as well. Oh right yeah, friend. Uh, yeah. Well done to Cashel, uh, the local rugby club, uh, RFC, mm. uh, here in uh, West Tipperary. Uh, and that uh, we have Clan Mel down here and of course we have Nina up in North Tipperary. We had the big derby game last uh, Saturday as well above in Nina Armand, of which if the bookmakers were out there, Nina Armand would have been the fair and favourites 
because they had beaten Cashel two or three weeks before that before Christmas blowing Cashel in front of a huge crowd well mm. Cashel brought a huge crowd last weekend they had one or two of their players back from injury and uh, Vincent O'Connor tells me and Cashel was telling me he said they will make a huge difference and lo and behold I couldn't believe it when word came through on Tip FM that uh, Cashel were after beating Nina uh, 20 points to 13 Nina got a bonus point because they were within the 7 uh allowed mm. mark and uh, one would ha- have to say that uh, Cashel really played well on the day you see if they didn't win Nina were gone maybe 10 or 12 points ahead the fact that they did Nina are only now maybe 4 or 5 points ahead and there's probably another 7 games to, pl- to be played in the second half of the league so Cashel will certainly be winding up and I think for the winners you go up into 1B uh, the runners up would play off the lower teams in the in the 1B grade from what I gather uh, and that but I presume Cashel are at home tomorrow because they were away last weekend I haven't got their fixture but mm. I would hope to go to Cashel tomorrow to, to Sparefield in Cashel to, to see the lads Fair play point. you know and that Mighty stuff indeed Renaming Parky Cueve um, what, what oh, Yeah, you Frank, mean? just to finish off on the rugby I did get yeah. to Feather to, to Feathered, see yes. uh, uh, Feathered and Waterpark Waterpark a couple of years ago how the mighty have fallen they were a senior club and I d- genuinely thought my own young fellow and Philly O'Connor and Paul Kavner involved with Feathered there for this year and uh, that they've got a tune out of the lads they played well last uh, uh, Sunday and of course we went to uh, London against Fran and, I'm, and I've got to mention uh, uh, there we met uh just taking off the glasses uh, Martin Shelley of Ballangarry Fiona Tig, Noel and Marta and their lovely dog uh, the lovely Kellyanne isn't it a grand name for oh, Italian friend he actually he, he actually is I'd say he's a he's, he's not a Jack Russell because he has a I don't know, a miniature, I don't know what he is, anyway, but anyway, <laughs> he's a lovely dog. Lovely so uh, we had a, we had a, a, a yeah. great day, of, a day between them all, you have, uh, and that. But uh, yeah, the, the name and rights, Fran, myself, I don't see a huge amount wrong with it. Uh, mm. Look, we can talk super about... Super Value Park. Yeah, uh, super, even though they're, they're rethinking now. How yeah, you that. see, uh, that I look, you have FBD Simple Stadium. I didn't know that. Yeah, you see, and Kilkenny have their name and rights. Wexford below have their name and right you have the athletic ground or the, sh- the big one in Limerick uh, and that that's too Slimerick or something like that and uh, most mm. of the grounds around Galway sports grounds are getting a new name mm. now from some so new the, factory the Aviva was Lansdowne Road the Aviva yeah. is Lansdowne Road yeah. and you know and like now as the younger generations grow up along they'd say you're going to the Aviva whereas the older generation like myself say we're going to Lansdowne Road you know but look it's the Aviva and that's it and I wouldn't see an awful lot wrong with you can still in some way along the way uh, uh, get the O'Keefe name into it a wonderful person he was and all mm. of that but at the end of the day Cork owed 30 million in debt and let's call a spade a spade you have to maybe uh, for a few years just to get the show up and running get your few pounds from Super Value Park you know mm. uh, Super Value uh, uh, ring uh, whatever it is up O'Keefe Park and that so be it what about it we're still going to Cork no matter what park it is mm. and it'll probably be always Parky Grieve yeah. anyways well it will yeah you see and like, when the Pope to came it, yeah. to Ireland when the Pope came to Ireland in 79 like he landed above in, he was in Dublin airport and he left uh, out in the Phoenix Park and he was uh, in Limerick and he was uh, uh, in uh, Galway and the whole lot and, he, and I told a couple of Cork lads he never came to Cork <laughs> because he called Cork the Passover city <laughs> <laughs> so he had no to do with the oh, that's right. Start a road this morning. <laughs> Why don't you start a road? What are you making of what happened in, in, in Ross Grey, Johnny? 
Yeah, Frank, there's a lot of things. I'm saying it, and we've been saying it a long, long time. The communications from this government is absolutely scandalous, and they are the start and the end of lots of things, that they cannot communicate with the people. And our own local representatives, who are fine Gael from down here, or, or, or Fianna Fáil, they're in power. I don't see the Greens adding to anything up in Ross Grey. Right, admittedly, maybe... Dem- well, Roderick O'Gorman is the head of the department yeah. who are making the decisions, I suppose. That, that effect yeah, but like, why? Do, if we have a green representative that's going for election the next time, why don't they come in and give their version of it? The people of Ross Greyfriend, I would have known them for maybe forty odd years. I worked up there in uh, with having more dairies one time uh, in Ross Grey. I know them through the Greyhounds, the Lucknans, the Delaney's, uh, John Carroll, that wonderful Tipperary Huller, Francie Lucknan, mm. uh, even Tynan and, and all of those guys. Hey, on the sporting world, you will not meet nicer. The same thing and genuinely with their people in Ross Grey. All they wanted to be was t- to be told, to be mm. communicated with. And to think that the minister wouldn't come down. I don't know why, mm. he, I don't know why he wouldn't and come down. And now people are branding them. And so Friend, media outlets branding them as yeah, racist. But you see, and somebody then, the mobile phones will be the death of us. I could be going to an old dance of yours tomorrow night in Featherton. Lo and behold, I'm dancing around with some lovely bar- or some lovely girl <laughs> uh, around the hall in, 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 in the barroom in Feddot. And somebody puts it on the phone, herself gets it in. It will be the death knell of many Do things. You think so? Yeah, like, it was a bit of a skirmish, but so be it. I have often seen a bigger skirmish between Ross Grey and Knock. Uh, and that in June will be the same with Golden and Cashel and every other parish that's out there. And they'll build it up and they will. the, the government then will try and make mountains out of molehills. Yeah. But at the end of the day, friend, they should have told the people of Ross Grey and they should have told the representatives way, well before that, the Jackie Cales and everybody else, not to be fobbing them off on a Thursday night uh, and, that, and expecting the people. And now, if the people of Ross Grey were told on the Monday when this happened, that what's coming in is 12 uh, women and, uh, and maybe children, five or six children, uh, children yeah. babies and whatever else, I have no doubt that no girls would be needed there mm. because they're as honest as you will meet uh, the lads in Ross Grey. And I'm not Plum Austin or anything else, fan. I've been at county board draws above yeah. in the De- place. Decent and that. people. Decent yeah. people, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and that... The, the one problem I have with Ross Grey, of course, is getting out of it. <laughs> when you have a couple of drinks in, better be John Kells. But anyway, Frank, apart from all that, yes. then to think that we come up with a community hotel, this beats Banner and Banner bit more. So, so what do you think of the idea of a community hotel then? I think it's like Duffy's Circus. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? I mean, like you pick up the examiner last Saturday that says 500 restaurants are in ready to go, disappear off the face yeah. of the earth. And here we're talking about putting up a community hotel. Who's going to run it? Who's know. going to staff it? Who's going to count Nobody the money inside knows. the counter? You have 20 people working there at 500 each, say. That's uh, 10,000. Another 10,000 for overheads. There's 20 grand. Gone immediately. Who's paying what? Yeah. I yeah. mean, th- th- this thing of that, uh, they're having a serious look at it and the whole lot. This thing should have been looked at when they had an idea of what was happening so that they would have answers for the people. You must have an answer for the people. I mean, they're not Joe Soaps in Ross Grey. I can tell you that. Fran, the thing about communication is look, I was in a, often you'd have the most intelligent of conversations mm. in a pub. 
And I was listening to a chap the other night, and he had he probably told me he had six pints, and he said, you're the very man, he said, you're talking about communication. He said, I'll tell you uh, uh, about the word communication. He said, Peter's my name, but everybody calls me Pedro. Jesus, Pedro, I said, I know that, yeah. And he said, years ago, he said, I was getting married to a girl, she had a nickname, Mary the Goat Muldoon. <laughs> And he said, I was waiting in the church for her, for the for the priest. Mm. And up she came anyway, and the priest said to her, do you take Pedro Peter to be your lawful wedded husband? And she said, I do. Now, Pedro, he said, do you take uh, 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 Mary the Goat Muldoon and her mother to be your wife? Now he says, hold on one second, father. He says, this mother, he says, where... The mother-in-law, he said, no, he said, that was never in the conditions. He said, they were getting married. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll have sweet them all to do with her, he said. It is about communication, he said. That's the first I've heard of that. Anyway, he said, forget about it. He said, I have another one lined up. And he had another one lined up, and she was known as Endegerta <laughs> Nestor. And uh, 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 up they went to the same priest, and the priest said to Endegerta, uh, do you take Pedro? And he said, I do. Or she said, I do. And Pedro, do you take Endegarter? I do. And her mother's not coming, said the priest. He said, because it is down here. He said, she detests you. And your man says, I'm delighted. He said, the mother-in-law is not coming. But like, but that's communication. But that's communication, you see. And if he was told, he said the first time, he'd, he'd never have got married to Mary the Goat. <laughs> You know, I'll never, he wouldn't even have went up to the top of the altar with uh, Listen, before you go, talk to me about um, school around the corner because we were reminiscing downstairs. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm much too young to remember Paddy Crosby. Yeah, but, but it's but 60 years this year since uh, Tulkaroe. Tulkaroe was yeah. there. Uh, unbelievable and you had wonderful people in that and I'll always remember like I was maybe seven or eight years of age and I hope that young fella's alive that arrived in front of Paddy Crosby what a, a, a young fella like and he was yeah. wearing a short pants and some kind of a t-shirt and that and Paddy the Crosby said next we have uh, James Murphy he said and he said to Paddy Crosby excuse me he said everybody calls me Jimmy in a lovely, innocent voice, yeah, like little child, oh, yeah. a child, you know. And uh, Paddy Crosby said, uh, And you're a farmer, son, have ye animals, and all that thing. And the young fellow said, He said, We have, yeah. He said, And we've, and we've an ass as well, he said. And last week, he said, I was very lonely. He said, uh, The ass fell into a hole. He says, And my daddy shot him. And Paddy Crosby said, He shot him in the hole. No, says the young fellow, He shot him in the head. <laughs> Friend, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. You know, but that's the way life is. The innocence of it all. And Jim Bartley was a star of, of Talca well, Road. Right, he's, still, he's still in, well, I think he only recently retired from Fair City. Yeah, so unbelievable. Fair, fair, yeah. yeah. And, Fran, look, I was looking at the paper there where I said 35% of our ESB is coming from the bloody windmills. Yeah. And why is it so dear then? You'd imagine the windmills would be getting it for a thing a half nothing. I mean, like they don't spin or they don't spin. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at them now. Uh, we'll say at home because I can see the ones in Duella and I can see the ones above yeah. in Ross Moor, and they're not spinning at all at all. I hate them. I hate the look I mean, of them. I I'm on record as saying that the right place to put a, a, a wind turbine was above in the doll. <laughs> There's enough of wind coming out of there. Hey, I met Foster Crime the other day. Uh, well, I saw Matty at the funeral and that, and I met Martin Brown yeah. uh, and that. Hey, do you know what I'm going to tell you? Fine house scouts. Brown said to me, he said, you'll have to come canvas. And Martin, I said, listen, I said, I'm canvassing for all the parties. <laughs> I said, left, right and centre. But uh, I met Noel Coonan and he gave out yards to me. 
Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Stop, stop. But anyway, Frank, yeah, the thing about it is watching the prime time last night, you know, uh, and that and Miriam Lawler or whatever that girl's name is. She's Miriam O'Callaghan. You know, Miriam O'Callaghan. And yes. another programme then uh, that other girl was on, you know. And look, they asked uh, somebody about Sinn Féin and power. And like, somebody asked me, would I like to see Sinn Féin in power? You see, we're not going to have a one party in power. Mm. You yeah. know, so I've no problem if Sinn Féin are in power, that if they're with Fianna Fáil, if they're with Fine Gael. Mm. I don't so, think they'll be with Fine Gael. Well, yeah. you, you don't know, Fran, because, look, what beats me is that here we have uh, Fine, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil joined up uh, and uh, the Greens uh, in between, mm. right? We have our representatives from Fine Gael out in Europe. Mm. We have our representatives from Fianna Fáil in Europe. We have our representatives from the Green Party in Europe. And none of them are in the same party. Mm. Mm. And here they're all in one party. <laughs> How in the name of God can we get anything from Europe? I so, mean, Curry Hanley was right. Yes. How is he, by the way? Oh, he's not too bad at friend at all at all. I was in to see him the other day. Sure, he have yeah. three grand women. One lady, lovely lady, she's a hundred, she's in beside him. There's another lady, I think, in her 90s. And there's another lady then, maybe around the same age as himself, probably between 70 and 80. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to love you for that. In good humour. But, uh, yeah, listen. Hey, friend, life is funny. Yeah. You know, when you look at all that's going on and the turmoil and the whole lot, and we're talking about Ross Gray, sure, mother of God above tonight wouldn't be a 56 cousin to what's going on outside in Israel and outside in the Ukraine and every yeah. place else. Yeah. You know. So what are you saying to me that we should... Eric, look, sweep it under the carpet and get on with it and that, but make the government themselves communicate. Nobody wants to see places buttoned down. Mm. Everybody will put up their hand. They want to see everybody treated with respect. And you must remember this, and I'd be saying it to the TDs as well. Have respect for the people that put you in. Tell them What's going on? You must tell them. Communicate. You know, they're all asking me the question again. Are you putting your hat in the ring once and for all? Yes, man. As of now. You are. Until this hat I'm wearing, whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not to take it off to look at it. Uh, And that, yes. You are. I am putting my hat into the ring. As an independent candidate. And when I hear what what, uh, Michael D is getting. Yes. 332,000 euros. And the president uh, of the Ukraine getting seven. (laughs) Mother of God above tonight. I mean, the world has gone bananas here. And Michael D is probably getting another five or six hundred thousand for looking after the two dogs. I mean, like, the whole thing is, uh, you know, you look at Michael D, no disrespect to him, I wouldn't knock our president high up or low yeah, down. Yeah. But whatever age he is, say 78, 80 years mm. of age. Uh, you have the president of America, Joe Biden, is 83. Mm. You had the queen in England, she was 100. Mm. Uh, you had the pope, mm. who's running the churches around the world, maybe 85 or 6. Well, yeah. And like, I'm 69. <laughs> Surely to God, What, what point are you making? The point I'm making is I still have plenty of time to go for any of them top-class jobs. Oh, I love it. All right, then. Uh, Johnny, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much. And mind yourself on the road. You're heading off to meet a few lads now. I am, yeah, Fran. Yeah, yeah we have, I'm going down to the Greyhound track because mentioning the Greyhound tracks, hopefully they'll be able to go ahead, just tune in with them. Clanmel and Tullus and that. Clanmel will be getting ready for the festival, which comes up uh, the, for, the first uh, Saturday, Sunday and Monday in Powellstown here in Clanmel. And, of course, every place is booked out and all of that. And I'm going to meet Tom now at the uh, horse racing track here for a few minutes. Then I'm going down to the Irish... ICC the Greyhound board down here in Clanmel uh, and that looking for a there couple of freebies friend here and there don't you know the usual now with us Ookteron Johnny Luby thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks Johnny bye bye thanks, thanks. <laughs>
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, I think we have Angie with us. Good morning to you, Angie. Hi, Fran. How are you? It must have been that thing in the sky last night. Uh, it affecting, must have been. Affecting the interference. F- <laughs> They're watching us, Fran. They're watching. <laughs> that's, that's for sure, Angie. Um, I was looking at your post last night. What, what exactly did you see, Angie? Fran, can I just say one thing before we start? Of course if you don't you can. mind, can I just congratulate the Rebel Hearts on being number one in the download chart? Are they? Oh, I'm delighted our to own, hear that. Our own Rebel Hearts, yeah, with Lullaby. Fabulous. Fair play to them, yeah. Brilliant. They're number well one. Done. I just want to congratulate them. Oh, thanks, Angie, because I didn't know that and I love what the lads yeah. do, so well done. Yeah, to them. they're yeah. brilliant. They're brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, going back to last night, I was driving up the hill towards my own house mm. and the next thing. In Cashel, now, by the way. Now, we, yeah. we, mm. we in Cashel, we, we get fireworks, of course, a good bit with the palace. They do um, fireworks displays, so it's not unusual to see fireworks in the sky. So I see this huge light fall, but it was falling directly down and kind of split into a few different sections. And mm. it seemed to, there was no colour, although at the, at the end it did look a bit fiery, sort mm. of. I nearly crashed the car. I was like, what is going on in the sky? Yes. So I just put it up on um, Facebook, just said, is that a, a, a firework or a shoot? It, it looked more than a shooting star. It was huge. And, uh, of course, then over the time, over the evening, a couple of people came back and with the Carlo Weather uh, Facebook page, they have a video of it. Someone managed to get the, mm. a video of it. And uh, it was amazing. It was incredible. I mean, it looked really yeah. incredible. Yeah. It really did because Space Link is over and back at the moment. So everyone's out watching that, of course. But um, uh, this was amazing. I thought it was something to do with that then and then realised, no, no, it was uh, a meteor. So unreal. Unreal indeed. And when I saw what you posted, Angie, I had a look online just to see what was happening. And uh, seemingly, as you say, a shooting star, but at the very same time that the International Space Station and Starlink satellites were passing over the country as well. So it was a combination of of all of the above. It was a combination of the whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of of stuff happening in the sky last night. Very good. You you got a great reaction to your your post as well, didn't you? (laughs) People are like, what's going on? What's happening? (laughs) I think everyone's wondering, aren't they? When you see something unusual like that in the sky, I have to say um, you're wondering what it is. (laughs) Yeah, well, with <laughs> with all that's going on in the world, you see, Angie, we're all getting that's paranoid as well as everything it. else, I that's, suppose. That's yeah. it. You're getting, getting worried when you see stuff like that. God love them. Imagine mm. they're... Oh, their I know, I know. We think we have problems, but sure we don't by comparison. And I, I'm just thinking as well, I mean, we always associate you obviously with the, the Feral Cat programme in Cashel, uh, Angie, and it's been very cold the last few days. So is that having so an effect cold, on your work? It does, of course. It does. Um, what we do is, uh, we, we, as you know, from we never relieve the reveal the where we have the cats, you know, because obviously some people out there are not not so um, happy about cats. Yeah. But um, what we're doing is we're trying to get um, straw for the bedding. We we use straw all the time, but obviously it would last a bit longer. 
um, in better weather. So um, bedding is no good to, to them because if they get cold or wet and they get back into, the say, a blanket, yes. it'll hold the cold and it'll freeze. Oh, whereas the straw can aerate so it doesn't um, freeze. Yes. So um, it's better bedding for them. But uh, just even, I put up a video this morning myself of, of the, uh, our own cats here. I leave water in a bowl outside for mm. them. And um, I changed it last night before I went to bed, got up this morning, went out, just went out to outside, mm. and it was frozen solid. Wow. So just to put out there, you know, if anyone is looking after any animals at all, you know, cats or any animal, that to make sure and keep checking the water and the food that it's not frozen. No point in leaving them food once a day and it gets frozen and they can't eat it, you know. So you have, yeah. to, you have to really keep checking on it, you know. So it's important to keep that in mind. Well, keep an eye on the skies for us anyway, Angie, won't you? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> Fran, I will. All <laughs> right. Was, I almost crashed last night, so not because of the ice, but because of something in the sky. <laughs> If anyone saw me driving erratically in the casual area... That's, that's what, what it was. was <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Frank. All right, great to talk to you, Angie. My best to you for the new no, year. Thanks, Tosh. Thank, you, thank you. Bye-bye you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 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 That's uh, Angie McGrath there in Cashel. Now, we mentioned there the uh, the weather. I was agreeing with uh, Johnny Luby earlier on. It seems that this morning is the coldest uh, morning so far, but let's find out what the story is because I'm glad to be joined by Cahill Nolan of Ireland's Weather Channel. Good morning, Cahill. And a very good morning, Fran. And great to talk to you again. It did seem as if this morning was the coldest, and I think some people are telling me it was down to minus six in places. It certainly was. I think temperatures in parts of Tipperary, South Tipperary in particular, got down as low as minus seven, minus eight. Wow. Last night, looking at some of the meteorological stations this morning, um, in Thomastown and Kilkenny, it actually reached down to minus nine degrees Celsius overnight. So that's two nights in a row that Thomastown is the coldest place in the country, down to minus nine degrees Celsius. So exceptionally cold even for this time of the year obviously this is mm. the depths of winter for us but still exceptionally yes. cold temperatures possibly the coldest since at least 2021 if not back as far as 2010 is it indeed and uh, i was in sligo on wednesday night and there was snow there considerable snow i'm hearing uh, this morning there's still snow up in donegal in fact there is indeed so even yesterday they would have seen again a continuation of wintry showers feeding in off the atlantic so with a cold northerly wind and plenty of moisture coming up off the sea. There, that does lead to the formation of heavy snow showers and indeed those particular parts. So from Antrim right the way around as far, well, really along the, the entire Atlantic seaboard, really there was reports of snow even down as far as Kerry. So these areas did see a little bit of snow certainly over the course of the past couple of days, but it was pretty much reserved for that part of the country on this occasion. So are we done with the cold snap after today then, Cahill? We certainly are. So this particular cold snap is coming to an end later today. We will see our winds switch around to a southwesterly direction. That'll feed in much milder air. And with that, we'll see a return to near normal temperatures, certainly as we go through tomorrow. And then those temperatures becoming above average for the early days of next week. But of course, that brings with it the zone challenges as we will see some potentially stormy conditions as we go into Sunday itself. Right, so we can expect stormy conditions on, on Sunday and will that go into next week as well, Cahill? Well, at the moment it looks like that storm clears through on Sunday into Monday and Monday itself probably is an improved picture through Monday but there's a chance to further strong winds at times, I think later Tuesday, maybe Wednesday but thereafter high pressure starts to regain a bit of an influence across the country. It's a little bit to the east of us at that point in time but it will feed in, I suppose, pretty mild air for the time of year. Southwest, the southerly airflow 
Now, as we get on later in the picture, so really beyond what we can forecast, beyond 7 to 10 days, there's a chance that that high pressure moves back out across Ireland. And if that occurred, then it would lead to cooler conditions again. Not sure about how cold it would be, but certainly cooler conditions and more settled weather as we get towards maybe the latter end of next week. Uh, I, I'm of an age where I used to do an awful lot of driving to gigs back in the 1980s. And I remember when we had cold weather like this, the roads were a lot more dangerous. At least it seemed like that to me, Cahill. Uh, now, I know you can talk about gritting and salting and all, but some of the back roads, even they don't seem as slippy even though the temperatures are low. Is, is there any sense to that? It very much depends on, I suppose, the type of a cold spell that you're talking about, Frank. I suppose for ourselves here in Tipperary, we've been fortunate over the last while in that even though it's been exceptionally cold, it's been exceptionally dry as well. Yes. So we haven't seen really any precipitation or, or excess moisture on the road. So that in itself means that the, the road conditions, they aren't as slippy as, for example, if you had a cold northwesterly flow and sporadic showers during the day that would freeze overnight and lead to black ice in places or icy patches on the roads. We've been fortunate in that sense um, that we haven't seen any of the precipitation. And it's essentially, it's more of a drier cold that we're experiencing as opposed to maybe a typically more Atlantic cold, which is that bit more moist. Well, that makes perfect sense. Carl, thank you for your time this morning and thank you for all your contributions over the last few weeks as well. Uh, good morning to you. That's uh, Cahill Nolan there of Ireland's Weather Channel, which is a wonderful resource, by the way, if you're wondering about uh, the weather. Uh, Claire was on to us and she says, Fran, thanks uh, for um, uh, all of the uh, various uh, radio pieces over the last week. She says, I want to commend you and the team for your reporting of the protest, which has been very fair compared to national media. My opinion is that government policy is offering these contracts to operational hotels and B&B owners and nursing homes, etc. And that should change where it's not as lucrative to these businesses and a stipulation that only a percentage of the beds from each provider is allowed to be included in the contracts. However, the real crux of the matter is communication from government to local authorities and communities regarding this issue uh, is non-existent for a reason. The Rossgrey people have forced government to change their tactics in this matter due to protesting. Regarding the community hotel, I would think the only way this would be successful is if it was leased out to an existing hotel consortium with government subsidising it in some shape or form. So that's uh, clear. A lot of people, in fact have been on to us about the notion of a community hotel and there's great confusion out there as to what exactly a community hotel is. And in fact, the people who are running a community hotel in Monaghan making the point that, you know, it's not the answer to what's been happening in Ross Grey. So again, we're waiting on some more detail where that is uh, concerned. Um, All right then, we're going to take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to uh, Tip Today, to the second hour, indeed, of uh, Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Now, with Ross Gray continuing to make uh, national headlines uh, this week, one of our listeners, Brian, uh, was in touch and joins me now. Brian, good morning to you. Good morning. And uh, good to talk to you today. You are Thank sort you of too. concerned, Brian, I think, about the way local protesters are being represented in certain media. Yes. Um, first of all, I've been listening to your show all week. And I've been listening to the national radio as well. Um, I've been following it closely and I was just kind of perturbed, I suppose, between the difference between the Ballon Row protests, the way they were, they were being portrayed. You know, there was peace that delivered to them. And it seemed completely different to the Ross Grey event. And this is even before those 17 refugees arrived on the bus. It was just seen that it was kind of like, um, oh, what are they complaining about in Ross Grey and so forth? In my opinion, I believe what's happening in Ross Grey is a, a far bigger detrimental effect than any, um, I suppose, protest that has happened throughout the country in the last year or so. I think it's a slight on Ross Grey. I think it was a slight that Michael Smith came on radio on Clareborn the following morning and basically threw Ross Gray under the bus, in my opinion, what he said. And um, I think there was a, a small bit of a sea change, possibly when Thomas Byrne was on prime time the same night mm. and Mary McCallan, in fairness, or... She had a right go at him, didn't she, yeah. Her anger was palpable, mm. yeah. you could see that she was trying to just get logic saying how can you close one hotel a fully functioning hotel and waste whatever money on a so-called community hotel that has never been tested it's a concept that no, not, nobody knows anything about it seems like a panic reaction by um, Jackie Cal or Michael Smith that evening within Fianna Falls to do something rather than do nothing. Now, Michael, Michael Smith, yes. I know, would say, because I know Michael for many years, he would say to you of that course. he didn't throw uh, Ross Gray under the bus, that what he was saying that was that how it was painted and the images that were out there of the skirmish there and all of that, that it gave a bad, bad impression of the town and that it may take some time for that to change. Would you go along with that interpretation of I what he said? He may have chosen unfortunate words that he used. Um, Seamus Morris was on your programme that morning, mm. possibly, or the morning before, and he, and he said Michael Smith was the most astute politician in North mm. Tipperary, mm. um, like his father before him. But whether that is true or not, um, whether he is astute or not, what he said was unfortunate. He may have, it, it may have come, come wrong, across wrong. He should apologise to people of Ross Gray for what he said or maybe give a, a clarification back to um, hmm. nationally or locally. Yeah, well, we're we're happy to chance. provide a platform here, Brian, if he wants to. Uh, to was, it, was it the word of uh, character that troubled you in particular? Was it the character of Ross Gray? Was it, there? It's Ross Gray, like Nina, like many towns in Tiberi are working class towns, full of good people, honest, hard working people. Heather Humphreys came out yesterday, um, or was it the day before? I'm confused now, Fran, with all the days. Yeah, of course. And she yeah. compares said yesterday. about people who are not yeah. working. Um, that's rich coming from a, um, a woman that is in charge of the department that has yeah. only come out she... in the media yesterday. She gave 60,000 people were. Um, paid inappropriately during the COVID crisis, PUP, 60,000 mm. people while working. 
and she can come out and make that statement. Yeah, what, what she said, it, Brian, just for listeners who might be across yeah. that, it was, you're dead right, it was yesterday, and she questioned how people can demonstrate in the middle of the day when everyone else is working, is what she said. Exactly, and that reminds me to Leo Bradker when he became leader of Fine Gael in 2017, when he was just coming into it. Mm. He also made a similar statement. He said, I'm going to lead a party for people who get up, who yeah. get up early in the morning. Yeah. And those kind of um, social snobbery comments great on me um friend i've been listening to your show all week and you you know more than i and emma there in, in reception and so forth you've probably got lots of emails lots of calls and so forth the anger that's going around this county and around the country at present you, you cannot just put a finger on it i i'm a man in my early 50s i've um I remember the 80s i remember the 90s i have lived through austerity, have lived through cuts and so forth. But if any politician comes to my doorstep, and I, I honestly believe that politicians will be afraid to go to doorsteps at the moment because they won't, they'll be run out the door places. Will you tell me about that anger, Brian? Tell me about that. It's it's basically, which where I'm situated, I'm in Tipperary, but I'm actually in the Limerick electoral area, okay? Mm. Mm. And we were gerrymandered as such. Well, you, you must be around Newport there somewhere, are you? Mm. I, yeah, yeah, around that general area, yeah. okay? Um, so my local TD is a Fianna Fáil TD in Limerick. Mm. And it was a very, my mother was, I'm not aligned to any political parties, my mother was very involved in Fianna Fáil, my late mother, and mm. she would have been friends with this TD. And I contacted the TD during the week, and in fairness, he came back to me, personally emailed back to me, without saying who the TD was or so forth. Mm. But he relayed his own frustrations about what's going on in this country. Basically, that person being um, a backbencher now, yeah. But, well, um, well, you have to be he, talking about Willie O'D, of course. I'm not going to say names. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh. he's, but basically, he's a backbencher now. Right. And they're getting it in the neck in mm. Limerick. They're getting it in the neck in Galway, in Clare, and so forth. Michael McNamara was on yesterday. Um, they said about 3,000 mm. applicants came into the country last year from Clare. He said one prostitution was taken for a person who did not have their passport. 70% of people that came in did not have passports. If you tried to go to Australia with a passport, not only would you be arrested, but you'd be, you'd be jailed. Mm. You know, that we have, and Fine Gael, they have basically a, a cohort of um, departments working in conjunction. It's like when they brought those 17 people into Australia the other day. That was choreographed. It was choreographed with the public order um, department or public order unit, as they call it now. And wh- why do you think it was choreographed? With, with what because object in the, mind? Because basically, like many of your listeners have said, they could have come off, they could have got a local TV to explain to the people and say, right, there's, there's women and children. There's, yeah. there's ladies and children on the yeah. bus. They're going to be a small bit frightened, okay? However, they went for the dramatic effect. They went for this kind of, okay, I said, there's three things that have graced me the most in the last couple of days. Thomas Byrne on Primetime the other night, Michael Smith's comments on the radio, um, the other, on Radio 1 the other morning, and we'll say um, the, 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 the reference to Holy Cross, 
mm. um, in the north back yeah, in that, the that comparison, uh, yes, yeah. that comparison, yeah. because anybody who's making comparisons to Holy Cross does not understand northern mm. politics. Yes, because that was a sectarian. That. that was a sectarian, a sectarian act. It? Yes. it was vile. Mm. It was absolute. If there was women and children crying, and yes, and I wasn't witness, but I've seen videos and so forth. They were crying because of obviously because of the guard response there and the dramatic effect. And for all we know, I know protesters brought their own children. Some of those children, the local protesters, I mean, children could have been crying as well. Mm. And it's an unfortunate thing that happened in Australia. There's no two, two, way, two, two ways about it. But I am I am in full support of the right to protest for these people. And I would love to see the Blackett Hall mm. reopened again. And if I was the people of Ross Grey, I'd say to this community hotel, hold on, part of community hotel, I'd go with a 12-month lease of the racket hall at this stage. I'd get guarantees that the hotel will reopen in 12 months' time. I'd just like to say one further thing, Fran. I don't want to take all your time. But no, no, I just, no, it's most interesting um, to listen to you, Brian. In, yeah. in Ross Grey, would say I, I've come through many times. I've I played bits of music around Ross Bay and I always admire the people that have played in Shimron and so mm. forth. Mm. And I also really, really good people, you know, honest, solid people. I stopped in Ross Bay probably about seven years ago for a carvery. And one thing that struck me was the amount of people that knew each other in the bar and banter being shouted mm. back. I play a bit of golf myself and I played in Ross Bay Golf Club. Many times, which is just beside, were, just beside the hotel, side, yeah. and I think that both augmented each other fantastically. The hotel and the golf club, and and the golf course is a fantastic mm. course. And the hotel was a fantastic hotel. And I remember when the Costcos from Limerick took mm. over that hotel; they did mm. a great job in refurbishing it. Yeah, and it it was the pride of the town. I would imagine the hotel there, and it is an awful shame that it's lost. And there should have been. There should have been um, there should have been information given to people beforehand before any of this took place. It's just a disgrace. Yeah, my the, the the coverage and you alluded to it a couple of times. The coverage in in national media, even in uh, the Independent today. I'm not sure if you got a chance mm. to see it, but uh, Philip Ryan did an analysis. Uh, piece and basically he's kind of lampooning the people of the area and he goes on to say at one point Brian in it he says a right to good health care a right for children to have a proper education fair enough but a right to have somewhere close to your home to celebrate your 30th birthday party seems a bit of a stretch now that's well, completely missing the the point it is. isn't it you it know is. but this I mean, is the kind know, of thing that's out there the as opinion pieces had an article yesterday or about which I believe these kind of they're like Daily Mail articles, basically. Um, okay, um, the, the independent. I know there's a local feature writer from that area. Um, um, John Maher, I believe, is from the Roscoe area. Maybe he might be able to um, balance things up if he if he decides to write a piece mm. on it. But they also had an article about a, a, a GoFundMe set up for. Um, Maybe it was independent. I think it was independent about a GoFundMe set up for the person that was unconscious today, yes. and it only raised ten euros. Mm. It was a mean, mean piece. For all we know, that GoFundMe could have been set up by a, a crank. We don't know who mm. set up that GoFundMe yeah. account. But there's kind of mean pieces like that, and I agree with your point there, saying about um, yeah, it, it's Ross Bray has only Nina has one hotel mm. in the Abbey Court, right? Mm. Ross, there's nothing between there and Ross Bray. If anybody wants to come, we'll say, for an occasion to celebrate a party mm. after a funeral or so forth, it's well for, you know, I don't mm. even call 
deemed dependent on us journalism anymore. It's a, it's a paper, you know, I, I try and avoid, but most mm. Irish journalism, unfortunately, has gone that way. That's why you see a rise in, in grit and so forth. Well, well, there's some very fine journalists uh, involved in the Indo, but I take your point mm. that, you know, some of the opinion pieces uh, every now and again can be... I mean, that that was rather insulting, I think, to the people of Ross Grey, to just put it down to, oh, we no longer have some place to celebrate our, our 30th birthday parties. I mean... It's it's far bigger than that, isn't it? It's far more. It's, it's, it's far bigger. John Waters wrote a book a couple of years ago called "Give Us Back Our Bad Roads," right? And mm. I'm not aligning myself to John Waters. I know sure. where he went afterwards. Yeah. I know where we aligned myself to. However, that sentiment resides in me. I read the book. He he, he foresaw foresaw all this happening, the change in the media in Ireland, and the referendums that were were coming, on which we, that will happen in the next two months. Mm. I would much prefer and your listeners alluded to it yesterday, I, while all this has gone on, Frank, there's no mention of health issues that anybody in North Tipperary still has to struggle to get the Limerick Hospital, um, UL Hospital in Limerick, and which is trolleys, waiting mm-hmm. and so forth. There's no mention of housing problems. It's almost, it's a big issue, but it also suits the government in some way. It's a small screen. But it will be the number one issue Red Sea poll called um, that was done in November, and this is in a this Red Sea to the Irish Business mm. Post that seventy five percent of people in this country believe that we've taken far too many re- refugees. We've taken six times six times more per capita Ukrainians than the UK, six times more, um, which th- th- that's their crazy statistics. So you think, Brian, this is the big issue, but your concern is that it is a smokescreen for, as you say, housing, health, education. Not necessarily a smokescreen. I would say it's a convenient smokescreen. It's not been crazy deliberately. But while we're all talking about immigration, I had a a verbal with a neighbour of mine three weeks ago about this. No, we didn't come to 50 cups or anything, Mm. but it was a robust exchange of views about this. Um, And I think it's and um, it's it's on everybody's lips, Fran. Would you agree? Or you're, you know what I mean? You, you're hearing it a lot more than I am, you know, but would you agree it's on everybody's lips? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, everywhere I go, like yourself, I'm involved in music, Brian, and every gig I go to afterwards chatting with people, it's the number one conversation. It really, really is. Exactly. And, and to be honest with you, I... I don't think I've met anybody at all who would be of the mind that we need to keep, continue taking people in. And it's not because these people are racist. In fact, they're gentle, wonderful exactly. people and they would help out anybody. But they're saying, look, look, look at the social um, uh, destruction that it's causing. Look, it's dividing exactly. people. It's, it's, you know. It's dividing people on the streets. It's dividing people in houses. It's dividing... It's, it's, uh, look, you had Michael Laurie on yesterday. I, I'm not... I, I, I admire what he's done for Tipperary GA, and he's he he's a I respect the man. You, but you can't run with the hare and hunt with the hound. I know he has to think on a kind of um, how would you say a strategic view to get stuff done mm. for Tipperary. Yeah. But there has to come a point when Michael Lowry has to say, "I will have to vote against the government unless you do something about North Tipperary." It's not just Ross Gray; it's in Cashel, it, it, it's in Nina. It's in many towns around Tipperary that this is happening. Um, also, Matty McGrath, you know, I don't agree with everything he says, but in fairness, he came up to Ross Bay the other day. He came outside his county line, basically, because it's not in his jurisdiction. 
and he was there and it's unfortunate that he was videoed using unfortunate language that he used mm. but I think his heart is in the right place and there, there is no, you know, I don't think there was any malice in what he said and there was no vote to him for doing what he did. Now so, it's probably easier for a politician to go if they don't have a party whip at their back yes, and in fairness 100%. I know that Martin Brown went for instance and he spoke at the rally or yes. the protest over the weekend yes. and, and his party wouldn't be all that happy about that but in fairness to him he, he still went and, and, and did so it's, did. it's difficulty yeah. for party members Brian if the whip and if the party are telling them look you know we have a certain stance on immigration uh, don't be seen to be speaking uh, out in opposition to that in some way Fain are caught in they're caught in the headlights as such. East Wall protesters in Dublin, um, they're not you know what I mean? That yeah. is probably Sinn Fein's core vote in um, but you've also a lot of young people and students in universities that are going for Sinn Fein Sinn Fein that'd be more possibly left leaning and more pro immigration. But however the core vote will come from rural, disenfranchised mm. people and so forth. Sinn Fein are gonna as they get off the pot at some stage and they're gonna have to make up their their mind of what they want to do as regards Mary Lou has been very silent in the last week or so. Jamie Morris was on and in fairness, um, I know he's not Sinn Féin anymore and he was quite good in the points he made. But if somebody stands in North Tipperary into possibly, I've contacted him um, to see what candidates they're running in North Tipperary. But if somebody makes, not a racist party, but somebody who can represent people um, mm. in rural uh, or urban um, in a society yeah. w- w- with how they're going to deal with immigration because it's it's it is the number one topic at the moment. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, Councillor Shamey Morris there, and Shamey was on uh, to us just this moment, and he said, uh, I, I, I'm quoting Shamey now, he said, I said Michael Smith was astute, but he should have been in Ross Gray standing with the people instead of being uh, hanging his political career on the community hotel idea, which is a weak attempt at saving his career, says Shamey to us. So that's my response to, to you yeah. alluding to him there. Yeah. Um, just before I let you go, can I ask you, mm. uh, you were kind enough to, to give me Roughly your age, you're in your your fifties, mm. Brian. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen it as bad? Have you ever seen the country as bad as this in terms of chaos and people angry and you know uncertainty and all? Have you ever seen that before? I'm going to give you two quick and it goes before I go. I was down in um, Kenmare probably just at the end of September. I met a lady that sells ceramics in the shop. She told me she was. Well, I spent a half an hour talking to her. I was staying out in Temple No, and I just came into town. And she told me basically that the town they're down forty five percent of their bed capacity. Now, Kenmare is a lot more prosperous town than any town in Tipperary, Barton, Mel. I'd say. Um, she just was absolutely saying that the town is going to be destroyed. Um, Killarney, Kenmare, all those tourist yeah. towns in Kerry, Clare and so forth, Kilkee, their main hotel gone. Mm. Look, look at what's now. happened in Listu and Varna. I mean, the festival down there has yeah. been seriously diminished. I was, exactly. Of that, yeah. Yeah. I was in Portugal last week just on holidays. Yeah. Um, there is literally in the Algarve, there's a, there's hotels <laughs> closed off season. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of capacity beds there. Why this isn't meant to sound racist. Okay, why is there not some joint up thinking within the EU and say so forth? Why there, I did not see any migrants in 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 Portugal. It's a tourist 
part of the world. But Ireland was once a tourist country as well, Fran. When we basically, when this corporation tax dries up, and it will, like everything, like building dried up in, in this country years ago, it will come to a sudden sh- um, shunt and we will all have to say, right, what went on? Someday, like COVID, like this, and, and I'm not a COVID denier or anything mm. like that, I'm not mm. one of these people, but I'm saying it's, it's all going to come home to roost. You, you mean that we've destroyed our tourism business for the future? We've destroyed we? our tourism. You're like, oh my God, you couldn't go, like, okay, if I if I just said to you, like, we'll say about, we'll say that, that woman's frustration came here. She just said that everything is down there. Restaurants, bars. Look at how many restaurants have closed down in yes. Tipperary town today, Flanagan's um, Flan- Bar. Yeah, which was a beautiful, beautiful restaurant beautiful today, Flanagan's Bar in um, Delhi. Yeah. In Cork, all the restaurants that have closed down, they cannot cope, we'll say, with with the cost and because you have the loss of football. When you have all these coming into towns, they're not going to be eating out either friend and that and that doesn't mean to sound like an elitist thing mm. but they're not going to they won't have the money to eat out and so forth and you're also taking away bed capacity like you are with say from Ross Gray that would say that if if Ross Gray if the racket hall was a functioning hotel how, how much the restaurants in Ross Gray town are going to not affect also when that restaurant well, closes, Brian, when that hotel most interesting conversation uh, this morning and uh, thank you so much for spending time with us Brian thank you and thank you very much Trent. and I just one last thing before yeah. I go your show has been fantastic during the week I, I've only kind of started tuning in for, I, I've listened to your show before but I've become an avid listener from now on because it's very concise and it's very well produced well so, I'm delighted you thanks very much. I'm delighted you think so yeah. and we wish you the very best Brian thank you and uh, good morning to you that's Brian there um, 1800-938-007 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Yeah, somebody making a very interesting point indeed about the confusion over different types of uh, immigration. And uh, one person making the point that, you know, controlled legal immigration brings many positives to the country and we need it where hospitals are concerned and where hospitality is concerned. But illegal immigration is another matter altogether. Now, all of this will come up on our our panel today as well, uh, just after 11 o'clock. But right now, Dan is with me. Good morning, Dan. How are you, friend? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, Dan. You've been on the protests uh, over the last uh, few days, Dan, in Ross Grey. I have. Yeah. Can you tell me about that experience? Uh, it was something new, I suppose, friends. Something we never thought we'd have to do in Ross Strait, to be quite honest. Mm. Um, but it was a very peaceful protest. It was, if you want to call it, a multicultural protest. We had people from all parts of the country, let's say, or sorry, not all parts of the country, Ross Grey people there, we had people from Boris Lassery, we had different cultures there. Mm. We had Lithuanians, we had Polish people, we had lots of different nationalities there with us. 
Right. So, and so therefore, this this taint of racism um, really is is nowhere near the truth, Dan. Not anywhere near it, absolutely not. Fran, I was there from Thursday night until Monday evening, I think, and I don't think I heard one racist word come out of anyone's mouth. So if you were to sum up the issues, then, is it all about services in the area and it is is it all about the fact that uh, Ross Gray has taken more than its fair share of people so far? Is, is yeah. that at the core of it, Dan? It is. And as I said to you a couple of weeks ago when I was on the radio, Richard, there's nothing in Rossgrave. We have nothing coming into Rossgrave in terms of employment, in terms of services. We're at our, we're at our limits. We've no doctors. And you said no this dentists. to me before uh, the I current did. situation emerged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we knew this was going to happen, and this is why we went out and protested. You knew, you knew you this was going to happen? Time, yeah, yeah. And as I said to you at the time, every time you open your mouth, you're labelled far right, you're labelled a racist. Do you know, the usual I will spin the government put on it. Mm. What, what, no how do you feel about how na- some aspects of national media has portrayed the town? How, how did you feel about that, Dan? Well, the portrayal is completely in the wrong light. They tried to make little of us. They tried to make us out to be racist and fair rights. There was none of that here. Mm. Absolutely none. And anyone you spoke to over the last couple of days, they reiterated that to you. Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you w- see, were you there when the bus arrived? I was. Yeah. I was. Can, can you give me your 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 story around what happened <laughs> there? Brent, we were there. We were waiting and waiting. We were asking and asking. We asked several times who was coming, when they were coming. We couldn't get an answer out of anybody. Mm. Nobody would tell us anything. And the next thing we knew, the riot squad or the public order squad pulled up outside the gates. And they launched in and formed a barricade. So naturally, we ran down to see who was coming in. And we couldn't see this. They were pushing each other against us, against us and knocked some of the people onto the ground. So then, of course, it all kicked off from there. Mm. <clears throat> And are you absolute about that, Dan? I'm not doubting you, but just for clarity for listeners, yeah, are you 100%. absolute about that, that people were knocked to the ground? I've seen it with my own two eyes. Right. It was a disgrace what went on in their part. And and now, the people that, that got knocked to the to ground, do. were they in any way trying to, I don't know, stop the public order guardie or to... <clears throat> they weren't trying to stop them. They, were, they only ran down to form another line to see could the sea and to see who was coming. And you see, if somebody had pulled up outside that gate a couple of minutes before that bus came and said, lads, there's somebody here who wants to talk to you, there's women and children on that bus, <clears throat> we would have went down and had a chat with them and said, yeah, look, there are women and children, we're not stopping them coming in. That was never the idea. What we were afraid of was it was going to be all single men coming in again. And nobody at any point, Dan, said to you, look, on this blacked-out bus with blacked-out windows, that it's nope. women and children. Nobody made that point. No. And you're telling Nobody me that would have ever. diffused everything, would it? <clears throat> well, we wouldn't have rushed down, let's say, and the riot squad wouldn't have pushed against us. There was no need for that to happen whatsoever. That could have been all diffused. And even so, look, Fran, when the, start, when the bus pulled up and they opened the doors of the bus, like, why did they pull up and do that? Could they not have drove that bus away when there was women and children on it? Yeah, or even... Drove the bus in, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I don't. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like another point I'll make the, the, the public order squad, they were there to do a job, fair enough. Mm. Like, from what I can make out, they knew there was going to be very little trouble there because they got out, they had no helmets on them, yeah. they hadn't even a pair of eyeglasses on them for protection. Yes. What does that tell you? Well, that it was a soft approach, really. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, because it's an immediate stunt for the government. 
You, That's you, exactly you, what it was. You believe that? I do, 100%. With, with a view to what, Dan? Oh, wait, why, why, if, if, people if, if, around the country from protesting against this kind of thing. Right, to put a line in the sand of something. To say, yes, yeah, look, if, you're, if, if, if people are going to be out and protesting, we're going to meet you with force and push you back. But, like, it didn't work from a hike and let go, anyway. Yeah, but still, there's a piece, I was referring to, to Philip Ryan's piece in the Indo today, mm. and again, it's kind of portraying the people of Ross Gray as being shallow in some way, yeah. that, oh, now we have nowhere to have our birthday parties. That's the that's the tone <laughs> of the piece, Dan, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they can spin all the like, no, friend. The fact is, there's nothing in Ross Gray. You know yourself, you've been in Ross Gray several times. Gray well, of course. Yes, yeah, of yeah. Course. Do you know, all you have to do is come down and meet us there any day, and you'll, you'll know what the people of Ross Gray are like. But I all well, I've been saying for for years though I, a town with huge potential, Dan. You know it has, and, and it's potential. been neglected. Yeah, it's been severely neglected. All the businesses that have gone over that have gone over Osprey within the last let's say ten fifteen years, mm. massive employers all gone. What about you the know, community hotel, Dan? I've no interest in it, friend. To be honest, which I've no interest in it for a couple of reasons, but. Uh, the biggest one, I suppose, that is if the government have anything to do with it, I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Actually, you cannot believe a word out of their mouth. Do you, do you think it's not an answer to to the issue? It's not an answer, really. It's, it's too little, too late. You know? Yeah. It's too little, too late. Like, from Thursday night on, when people found out about <coughs> bracket hard clothes on late Thursday evening, Shane Lee was the only one to come out near us. Mm. Now, what does that tell you? Right, what, what does it tell you more and more? It tells me our local politicians have no regard for any of us. Now, they might say, well, OK, but we're, we're following the party instruction oh, listen, on this. Listen, you know? they're following nothing. They've been on the radio with you the last couple of days in my other media, and I've been listening to them. And it's the same old waffle out of them again. Mm. Like, as I said, when the news broke to the evening, why didn't Jackie Cahill get into his car and come over and meet us? Why didn't Michael Smith get into his car come out and meet us? Whether, whether they agreed or disagreed with the protest, they're public representatives, we elected them. They should have been out there with us to listen to our concerns. And is that the general feeling um, amongst the people who have been protesting? It is, yeah. 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 Like Cahill was on the radio there and he was talking, that, oh, there was a report that the hotel was going to be set on fire by a far-right group. Mm. You know. Yeah. That was front-page news there. Yeah, like, why, why didn't he come out to the hotel? There's nobody going to say a boot to him. But you, you think he should have been there? He should have been there. As I said, whether they agreed or disagreed with the protest or not, that's their personal views, they're entitled to it. Mm. But they are elected representatives, they should have been there. And the same with Michael Smith. He was able to drive out to the golf club and sit in the corner and do an interview with RTE. Why didn't he come down the road to us and have a chat with us? Well, I know both the individuals in question were, would probably say to you in that case, well, they were busy trying to come up with solutions and they were making they contact with Roderick O'Gorman's department and they were... Yeah, yeah. And, and that solution they came up with then, that notion of a community hotel and yeah. possibly... They never made contact them. with the people they were supposed to represent over, did they? And that's the that's general the right feeling you're telling me, Dan. That's where I'm going to be completely critical of the two of them. Hmm. You know... Enough is enough now. It's time for action and it's time for them. Do you know what? To be quite honest, I'd nearly ask for them to stand down now at this stage. If they're not going to do their job, step aside and let somebody else do it. 
Well, you see, they would say to you, and you know, I have to play devil's advocate on this program, Dan. Yeah. They they would say to you that you know, well, they did at least meet with the the minister and the department, and they've come up with some answers in some way. Would that not hold anything for you, no? No, not to be honest with you, no, friend. To be honest, no. It would have been better, in my opinion, if they had to come out to the hotel that evening and met with the people that were there protesting. Were you insulted by what Heather Humphrey said when she said she she questioned how can people demonstrate in the middle of the day when everybody else yeah, is working? Yeah, 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 yeah. I seen it yesterday. Yeah, but sure, that's that's another spin from her again to, to, to put people down. You know, mm. I wouldn't pay any heed to likes that woman at all. So you know, it, it, like yeah. she's coming out with comments like that. Does she realise that some people are off on holidays? Some people are taking days off to do this. Mm. You know, all that kind of thing. And there, there were women with children there as well, local Brandy, women the amount children, yeah. of women and children out there would frighten you. Mm. And fair play to every one of them for coming out. And there's another thing too. Some of those women with children were insulted to the high heaven as to why they brought their children out with yeah. them. I mean, yeah. Now, yeah. If people had any intention to cause trouble or anything, they wouldn't be bringing their yeah. children. They wouldn't, exactly, exactly, of course. Yeah. You know, the amount of old-age pensioners that come out there, even. What, what's going to happen, Dan? Uh, will the protests continue? What's, what's the story? The protests are going think? to continue as far as I know, Fran, anyway, at the minute. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Like, it's peaceful there, there's no hassle. Right. That's all I can say on it, really. You've gone through everything else on the radio for and, the last week. And we, we, you have a platform now, Dan. Have a word to the public representatives. What do you say to them this morning? I'd say, to be honest, shame on the two of you. Why didn't you come out and meet with us? Mm. Instead of sitting there behind cameras and phones and talking and sprouting waffle the whole time. All right, Dan, it was good to talk to you today and we appreciate no your time. Thanks, 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 Dan. Catch Thank you. Again. you. Bye good, bye. Good, good morning to you. That's Dan speaking to us this morning. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1 800 938 007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com Now Fiona is online. Good morning to you Fiona. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today, Fiona. What are you making of what you've been hearing over the past uh, week or so, Fiona? I think it's an absolute disgrace. Um, I think that we're putting down our own Irish citizens and making us look so bad that we're protesting against the massive influx of foreign nationals that are just basically hanging around the streets at night doing nothing. And in my view, if the government are adamant about bringing them in, put them to work. Get them out there cleaning dikes, ditches, drains, roundabouts, cleaning signs. Take the pressure off our local council workers who can turn around then and fix our roads and our footpaths that are in dire need of repair. Do you mean have them on and like on a, a leader scheme or a fall scheme or something like that? Is that, is that the kind of well, thing they're getting working housed, in communities? They're getting free bed and board and they're getting money in their pocket every day for doing nothing. Make them earn their keep. The same as we have to earn our wage here in our own country. But, and but, see how many be willing to come in then. 
but a lot of the people coming in are women with children, particularly where Ukraine is concerned. I have no objection to the women and children. Yeah. No objection. But, but you, you're but talking I'm about single males who are... Single men, yeah. fine, fit, able-bodied men. I mean, I'll give you, for instance, last night, a friend of mine at nine o'clock at night was coming home from work, went to her local car park to collect her car. Four foreign males come walking up behind her, roaring and shouting in their own language. The girl was petrified. She ran to her car, locked herself mm. into the car, they went up the back of the car park for five minutes and back down. She was still in the car trying to compose herself to be able to drive the car home right, to her she, children. But and she got afraid. They, they weren't her. interfering uh, with her. No, but they were shouting any, at yeah, her. Okay. Right, so she was just intimidated in some way. I thought. Yes, was that it? yeah. I mean, tiring them out that they won't be hanging around the street. Hmm. Get them out to work. What are they getting money for? Yeah. Now, I'm not sure how that would work legally in terms of our so-called obligations and uh, the like as well, Fiona, but you think it's... it's yeah, our to... obligation has to come to... I mean, OK, they built a, a, a modular village here in Perlis mm. for the Ukrainians. They mm. can't do that for our own that are on the housing list. That's... Why did they not put our own people into the modular village and put the Ukrainians into wherever our own people were living? Because they won't go into it because it wouldn't be up to standard. And what about when the government then would say to you, well, look, that's all fine and very well, but these people are coming from a war-torn situation. We have certain obligations to them. They're women and children. Yes, yeah. And I know of several here, I've spoke to several, Mm. that are sending every penny they get back to their country. Mm. And I've known of several that have been offered jobs and will only work. 18 hours a week because they don't want to affect their benefits. So, I mean, something has to give. If I went to the store, I'd be used 450 euros worth of electricity in my house mm. over so far since December. If I went to the social welfare and said I can't afford that, I'd be told, you better find it. Mm. But again, the government would say to you, that's all fine and very well, but these people are in unfortunate situations and that, you know... It's Not all, Frank. Look, how, how are they cutting on a plane and landing in Dublin Airport undocumented? They had to be documented from somewhere that they were, they were coming from. So you, you don't you accept... Like, as of Section 11 of the 2004 Act that was quoted on the television yesterday, these people are supposed to be arrested the minute they get to immigration. They're landing into the country illegally undocumented. But you can't get on a plane. I've travelled a lot of the world. I can't get on any plane without any kind of documentation. Well, Helen McEntee, the Justice Minister herself, she has uh, said that 76% of people who migrated to Ireland last year didn't register their asylum application at a port or an airport. In other words, they came on under... In, in some other fashion. So the the only thing I can think of is that they came in through Northern Ireland then and uh, down to the south. So, you know, that's... Yeah, but, but when they're approaching our social welfare services officers, what what's happening then? They're all living somewhere and they're all getting benefits. Mm. Well, you see, if they put it to whoever the officer is that they've come from a country where they're in danger, their lives are in danger, or they're in danger of persecution, that gives them the right then to apply for asylum, however they enter the country. That's my understanding anyway, uh, to be honest with you, Fiona. 
Oh, God, I nearly seek asylum myself now at this stage. Do you think you'd be granted you know, it, though? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a lot easier than going out to work every day. Do you think so? But, yeah. And, yeah. and can I ask yeah. you, what you're saying to me today, is that a common yes. viewpoint among people you know? Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, everybody I speak to, and don't get me wrong, I work with foreign nationals, mm that are in the country for years. They're, they're, and do you have any problem perfect. with that? My own partner is a foreign national. Right, right. so you, you, you ha- obviously then, you've no problem yes. with any of that. But the, he, the loops and bounds that we had to go through for to get him through immigration, between visas, criminal checks, the money it costs, the whole lot, and he's here specifically on a work visa, and I'd have it no other way. Get out and get to work. But you're, not, but, but you know, you're telling you're me he had an enormous work. amount of red tape to go through to, to be oh here legally. Oh, my God, it took us two years to get in legally. Wow. I had to get letters from my family. I had to get letters from my work. I had to give all my 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 bank statements. I, he had to do the same. Criminal background checks, la-di-da-di-da, text messages, phone calls, everything. The bureaucracy... <laughs> Was on and Fiona, can I ask you, what does he make of what's happening here then? He's gone mad because he's meeting these other people on the street and they're telling him, don't work, don't work, you can get, you can get, you can get. Now, are you serious now? Are you, are you... I'm 100%, I'm not a liar. No, I, I, and I never said that, Fiona, yeah. but I'm no, just wondering, you, you're absolute about this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, only for, this is what I'm saying, only for I'm hearing it with my own ears, I don't listen to second-hand information or third-hand information. Okay. Only for I hear it myself. This is what is boiling my blood. I have no objection to anyone. I had to travel to England to work. Everybody, the Irish travelled the world, but we all went and worked. We didn't take from the system. Yes, there's a certain amount that need. Yeah, need and I, I'm glad you brought that. Up. I'm glad you brought attention. that up because that is always the counter argument when people say that you know we have to put a cap on numbers coming in here. They say, well, look, what about the huge numbers of Irish people who went abroad and so? So, are you telling me that doesn't hold up as an argument as far as you're concerned? Then, no, does it? No, because anybody that went abroad worked. We didn't go into any other country and go to a social welfare officer, community welfare officer, and was handed a cheque. You lived in squats until you found a job, until you bettered yourself and was able to get a flat or whatever. My own sister and her husband lived in the back of a van until they could get the money together to get a deposit for a flat. So do you, do you think that that's even worth bringing up in an argument, then the fact that we have worked in all the countries and all of that? It's even... more, Most definitely. We have no problem with, with integration and people coming in. Mm. But don't come in just to, to feed off of us. All right, Come Fiona. Participate to the community. Show us something. Go out and clean the signs on the road. Clean the ditches. Take the pressure off the council workers. The government now are saying they have money to buy a big hotel and refurbish it. Get a few vans together and go pick them up and get them out to work. They're fine, fit, and able bodies. All right, Fiona. And uh, thanks for coming on with me this morning. Thank you and good morning to you. That's uh, Fiona there. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. 1800-938-007. If you want to chat to uh, Emma, you can text in WhatsApp 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now it's time for our Friday panel, and I'm joined by Mark Small. Mark is a regular panellist, mediator, naval architect, and Joe Leahy with us as well, founder of Seesaw in Clonmel and security consultant and all of that. And for the first time, I'm really glad to be joined by Gillian Dunn and Gillian is a local Ross Grey activist and indeed has been part of the protest for the past week or so and you're very welcome Gillian and you're yeah. welcome to, you, to Mark and uh, to Joe as well. Can I, can I start with you uh, Gillian if I can? Yeah. Um, the protest in Ross Grey, did that kick off immediately following the, the news of the what was happening at Racket Hall Hotel? Uh, yes, uh, Fran, it did. Um, a couple of local women um, contacted me and said, look, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And um, maybe you're not aware, in the past we did do a protest outside the convent that time because we weren't getting any information. Yes. Not the fact that we were trying to stop asylum seekers or refugees going in is we weren't being told the number. And again, that was sprung on people as well. Uh, so immediately we said, look, we need to get out there. We need to start a protest and this is wrong. And it was mainly in the beginning, it was for the staff. Mm. We worried for the staff of the hotel. There's 52 mm. um, staff members in Racket Hall. And, and the first they knew of... The first uh, they knew was social media. Was social media. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They weren't told anything beforehand. Nobody in Ross knew anything. This was sprung on us. Mm. Yeah. And then you gathered at Racket Hall. Um what about the kind of numbers then? Did that increase over the the few days? Then how did that work, Gillian? Um, I think from the local people who are working in the hotel, coming home and talking to their families and how unfair this was and then how uh, we were portrayed um, on social media and on television. And I think that got people kind of angry and upset because our town is being, it's been blackened and it's not fair. And the Ross people, they're not racist. There's, there's nothing of the like. And for the likes of um, Breed Smith to stand up in the doll and say the things that she said, calling us racist Nazis, for a woman of her stature to come out and say such a thing. Now, she made some valid points and points which I made at the meeting last night um, that the Ross Grey people, the refugees and the asylum seekers, we all need to stick together. Mm. We need to come together. It's the government is wrong. Mm. It's the government is wrong. And these rich guys that own this hotel and selling out. These are the people that we should be directing the protests at. What What about the the arrival then of some uh, asylum seekers? The bus arrives, um, but the Gardaí had made their presence felt before that. Can, can you just describe the, those hours for me? Uh, yeah, well, the local guards, some of the local guards were there from the very beginning. They were very nice. They came in, they drank coffee with us, they ate with us. And of course, they'd have to change their shifts. And anybody that came seen, it was a peaceful protest. They had no problems with us. They were interacting with us. Everything was fine. Then the call came in that the bus was coming. So a lot of people came and joined. They tried to block the roads. A good few had got out before that happened. <clears throat> and um, there was no dialogue. We weren't told anything by the guards. We weren't told there was children on this bus. Because in the past, Fran, people are saying, oh, why did you protest against children and mothers and children? Yes. That was not the case. You, you had no idea who was on We had no idea bus. who was on that bus. Right. We've been fooled in the past, been told it was Ukrainian families, when in fact it would be all single men. Now, yes, they need asylum also. But it's the fact, it's the lies that are being told in the underhanded way that it's been done. So we decided we'd make a human chain and we weren't going to let the bus through until we seen 
who was going to be on this bus and call out the government for their lies because we were expecting it to be all single men. So the bus was coming up the road, but before the bus even got as far as Racket Hall, these um, riot squad came mm. and they came at us. Public order. The public police, order. Yeah. They mm. came at us with such force. It was absolutely disgusting. There was women and children there from Rossgrave. There was little babies and buggies. There was little toddlers holding their parents' hands. And they were also pushed. And there was a lot of shouting. Like People are saying, what's the shouting that's going on? What was the shouting that was going on? The shouting that was going on was mothers shouting the children. Yes, the children that were taken off the bus. Which, these by were the way, local mothers? Local mothers. Which, okay. Trying to protect their own children, trying to protect these mothers and the children getting out of the bus. Now, the videos have portrayed it in such a bad light, but you'd have to have your boots on the ground to see what mm. really went on. Because the portrayal was that local people were jostling and insulting and shouting at the the um, international protection applicants. I'm glad you said that uh, now. I'm glad you brought that up, friend, because yeah. there was some people there, um, as they're called, far right. Mm. Um, I wouldn't call them that. They, they're passionate. They want to stand up for the rights, but sometimes they can go a little bit too far. There was some of them there. We had no control over them, mm. friend. And they had been asked on previous occasions showing up. This is not what this protest is about. This is a peaceful protest. Mm. This is aimed at the government for the underhanded way. They took and that away was made clear to these people. That was, was made it? very, very clear to those right. people. But did they still hang around? A few of them would still hang around. Right. And they were, were coming and going in dribs and drabs and they must have been parked up the road and they'd walk in. Right. And were they part of what happened then in terms of the shouting at the people who arrived? Uh, they were part of that. But right. most of the shouting, Fran, I have to really dig my heels in here, mm. was trying to protect those uh, women and children along with our own children. The portrayal, before I move to, to, to Joe and to, and to Mark, the portrayal then of the people of the town, even today in the Indo, I was pointing it out as well, that mm. you're a bunch of racists, that, you know, that you're shallow, that all you're wondering is, where am I going to have my next birthday party now that the hotel is, no, is no, no. closed down? That's, that's, all of these, that yeah. portrayal of people like yourself, Gillian, mm-hmm. uh, what, yeah. what are you making of that? Um, I think it's wrong. It's really, really wrong. And we've invited these people out there that are saying these things, and even just last night, um, when we had our meeting, I, I invited out the refugees, the asylum seekers in Rossgrave because they're being so fairly untreated as well. We all have to live in this town together now. There is no, there's we're lack of dentists, lack of doctors. And taken away from all that, there's nothing for children to do. So people are worried, what are their children going to do? What are the asylum seekers that are coming to Rossgrave? What are their, their children? What do they have in the future? They're going to have to go to a different country to work different towns to work. They're not going to get anything in Ross Grey. There's nothing in Ross Grey. So why, why is the government putting them all in Ross Grey? We've 85% of the asylum seekers and refugees in Ross Grey. In the whole of Tipperary, we have 85% of them. You had that meeting last night. What came from that meeting for the future? So um, what came from the meeting is we, we wanted to ask the people of Ross Grey, look, do you think we should call a halt now to um, protesting outside the racket hall? And there was mixed feelings about that. But what has been decided and agreed upon is they were saying, look, we've done it. We've come this far. If we pull away now, the government aren't going to listen to us any longer. We've got the attention of the media. We've got the attention of the government. We have the attention of people worldwide. And we're getting a lot of support, more support, really, than what is being portrayed about us. We are getting a lot of support. And we're afraid if we pull away now, the government is just going to say, oh, look, it's after dying down now. We'll just let it go. So we are not willing for that to happen. We are going to stay there until we have in writing what the government is going to do for Ross Grey. 
and we will not stop until then. Joe, you're you're listening there very intently to 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 Gillian, and I know you've been following this during the week as well. What what are you making of what happened in Roscoe at this point, Joe? Um, there was a word that I heard Frank Curry mention during the week, and I heard Amanda Swarney mention during the week, and uh, both of them used the same word, and that was unfortunate. And I think a lot of has gone on here is unfortunate. I think what people, a lot of people, I think here they lost the run of themselves along the way. I'll say it exactly as I feel about it. I think. This is a commercial decision made by the owners of the hotel, in let it be the company owners or the directors or whatever else. The the government did, and I'm not backing the government here. The government didn't just land uh, land people and go around looking for this. Somebody they had were to offered this. They were offered yeah, this yeah. in a commercial decision mm. to bring in uh, that they were going to get paid for their their rooms, their space, and let it be the people that were coming in. That happened. And then these people arrived and the protest started, as Gillian has outlined there, the protest started and whatever else. And then things went pear-shaped then from then on. I honestly believe that you can have, and I'd take Gillian up on some of the points, you can have protests and you're going to have people, peaceful protests. But it's very difficult to stand part of a human chain and stand in front of somebody without action being taken. You know, the guards are there. I've been a guard myself. You're there and your job is there to Sorry, Joe, but we said we were making the, the human chain until we were spoken to and told what went on. Yeah, but, but nobody got off that bus. No, there was no dialogue beforehand. Yeah. If they had come to us and said, there's women on this bus and children on this bus, which, by the way, they had no business taking them out in front of those people. And we have it from a good source that works in the hotel. Those children and those women were not frightened by the Ross Grey people. They were frightened by the Garda presence. That's what no. frightened them. They've come from countries, God knows what they've seen by the guards over there, their policing over there. And this is what yeah. they were met with in Racket Hall. It was wrong. It was carried out disgracefully. No, if I, I, I wasn't in Racket Hall, so I, I wasn't on the ground there, so I can't say exactly what went on in Racket Hall. I'm not going to try and do that. I'm saying everybody knew, everybody knew that there was a bus arriving with occupants on the bus. Let it be male, female, children, adults, whatever they were. They knew that. And they knew that the purpose of the bus was that the bus was going to go into the ground of Racket Hall and the occupants were going to get off that bus and go into the, into the But that's the premises. point. They didn't, they didn't get off at Racket Hall, at, no. in Racket Hall. Yeah. Do, they got do, outside. Do, just just of, one sec, Gillian, and I'll come back to you to respond. Yeah. Just, just finish because, your point, Joe. Because the human chain was formed in order to prevent the bus from accessing the place. That was the purpose of the human chain. Mm-hmm. There's also a responsibility here for the people that were on that protest to look after children as well as that and not to bring children on a protest. That I'll say that to anybody any day of the week. Everybody has a responsibility here. And the responsibility, and I will agree with John, I think dialogue should have taken place and dialogue should have, and it was raised a few times during the week. I listened to Tip FM, both speakers that were on Tip FM, and they all said dialogue, a lack of dialogue, and Fran had asked some politicians why weren't they there and why didn't they say this. There certainly was an, an, a massive lack of communication between everybody. But at the end of the day, this all started by the owners of a commercial premises looking for asylum seekers to come in, filling out a form, filling out the details and going through a process. And that's where it went. What happened after that, to me, is where uh, the breakdown of communication was. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very unfortunate that, and it is, and I'll use the word again, unfortunate, that the people of Mm. uh, Ross Grey and of Tipperary, the broader Tipperary, were shown and are shown in the light that they're shown in today. And can I ask you a question, Joe? Yes. Do you think that um, this protest in Ross Grey was um, the way it was carried out and the way the the police came down and the way everything was handled by the police commissioner and everything else, do you think that this was done to make an example to stop people protesting in the future? 
No, I don't think so. I, I, I absolutely don't because we've had the, we've had similar incidents in different parts of the country. We've had them in Dublin for different reasons, uh, not for that alone. We've had them outside the doll. We've had them in different reasons. I think what happens is that the, uh, there's um, um, a reaction to an action. An action takes place and there's a reaction to it. And I think the, the reaction to this was that there had to be this, the safe passage of the part, the people on the bus mm. had to be but, guaranteed but Joe, you, to be brought you, you're in. a security consultant. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, if somebody came to the protesters and said, look, the bus is X amount of miles down the road. When when it arrives here, there's going to be women and children on this bus. Correct. And and, and I, I want to talk to Mark as a mediator in a moment, but somebody to mediate that and say, like, wouldn't that have been the proper... But absolutely, Fran, I told you, I've after sent already communication. Yeah. It's all about communication. Somebody there should have said, what's happening yes. here? Somebody should have said... And would uh, that have diffused the situation, do you think, Gillian, if it was made clear that these are women and children? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think as well the as that... The majority of the people that were at the protest, 100%. And I think as well as that, there is also an onus, and this has not been mentioned, there is also an onus as well on the owners of the place to come out and say that as well. Yes. Like, mm. the, the owners of the place were the people that fill up the forum or somebody yes. there. And made the, but we, we've a, sent emails to try and get to get yeah. some uh, dialogue with the owners, but we haven't had a response. And there's also an, uh, somebody there, let it be, some aspect of management should have come out and addressed and communicated with the people. And that's why I say it's unfortunate. Yeah. The lack of communication everywhere is, is was wrong in this occasion, in my book. Yeah. Mark, what about your view on this? And I'm interested particularly with your mediator hat on you and how you might deal with a conflict like this. But first of all, do you want to give me some general thoughts? Well, I agree with Joe, and I think in, a, in, a, in some respects in what he says, I think it is very unfortunate what's happened and the way it's been portrayed, for sure. Um, I mean, what what most people can only go on is the videos that are seen online, and that's, I mean, I wasn't there, I don't know, my impression is all of what I can see. Um, I think I think what is happening around the country as well is that genuine protests with genuine people who have genuine fears have been infiltrated, probably a very strong word to say it, but by a, it is a far right element of it who are just agitators and they have no other purpose being there bar to rile a crowd or to make it look a lot worse than it actually is in relation to it and we can see that happening all around the country. We saw the riots in Dublin in relation to that which started off one way and ended up being just thuggery. There's absolutely no description about it. That's not, that was not a pro, pro, start as a protest but it was just thuggery. I think the guards are in a very difficult situation in a number of places because they don't know when a, when a protest could trigger over into a into something much more serious um, I'm not saying I mean again I, I wasn't there I didn't see but certainly I do agree with Joe is that if you form a human chain in relation to something conflict will happen the problem is we need to stop getting to that point mm. and I think what we've had is and I think we've said it numerous times and I think even last week in relation to conversations we've had <clears throat> the problem here is there's no plan there's no dialogue and there, well there appears to be no plan now, maybe there is a plan, but it's a secret plan. There's no dialogue with the communities, but also there's no assessment of what, what are, are available within the communities. So, I mean, I mean if, as a, if I was looking at as a mediator in, in a conflict like this, in a high-tension conflict, you mean anything, you've got to look at what solutions are there, what, what's available to, to solve the problem, what is there, and then what is the plan going forward? Because, and then what are the solutions? And what is the, what is, what is the nature of what's causing this? Now, let's take a step back from this. If, if the facilities weren't available, then this wouldn't happen. Okay, so let's start, go back to as far many steps as that. So why is the thing being available? Yeah. It's, it's a very simple it's, thing. It's more profitable. Well, yes, it is more profitable to do this than it is to run a hotel. 
Okay. Now there are hotels struggling. There is there is food places struggling, and there is more money in bedrooms than there is in running the whole food operations. But then you have to be able to have the food to have a hotel. So it's this catch twenty two. Maybe we should be looking at the rates that are being paid to the hotels in relation to the, the to the people that are there. I mean, is it? I mean, are they being overpaid? Because clearly, if it's more profitable yeah, for them to make money, but there's desperation there to f- to be able to house the people. So I, so they have to make it profitable. <clears throat> yes, and then this this is the catch twenty two. Yeah, it's yeah. about the plan. I mean, we're bring we're bringing there isn't one. Well, no, there, there no appears plan. to be absolutely no plan whatsoever. Yeah. But in relation to the dialogue. Sometimes, you know, in in mediations, you do get to a point where there isn't the dialogue becomes so difficult because they're so poles apart. Mm. And just even the description of Nazis and things like this is just not correct mm. in any correct. in any mm. possible society that yep. we're in. This element of of throwing names like yeah. you're a Nazi. Fascist I mean, like, and, it's uh, yeah. it's on either side of the equation. Yeah. I mean, where have the middle ground gone? I mean, you know, in exactly. in, in in Ireland, in yeah. that if you are if you are, well, I want to restrict. If I want to restrict um, immigration, you're now a Nazi and yes. a social or a, a nationalist, and that, and, you, and you're far right. If you're saying, well, actually, maybe we should have some elements of immigration, you're you're a bleeding liberal, and you're going to. So we don't have this middle ground, which mm. the vast majority of people here want to sit down and want to have a genuine conversation about mm. this problem. What we don't need is the screaming and shouting brigades and, from either side. And before I go back to Gillian, w- would you answer me one thing? Okay, we're in a democracy, right? Even yes. though a lot of people are describing what we're in at the moment as a dictatorship, that probably plays into what you've just said to me in terms because, of because how, because how people we have. To, I mean, you you throw extremes. I mean, okay. we we are a democracy. You do, but but more in in if you believe polls, more than seventy five percent of the Irish people think that we have too many people coming here at the moment. Okay, more than 75. That is their view. So, in a democracy, you have reflect the views of the people. Yes. So, your thoughts on that? But remember, we, have, we, we are a democracy, but it's like, I mean, it's like anything. It's, there's, there's a difference, you, you know, what they say, you, you, you campaign and pros and government and the, the other thing. That they, the, the, but, I mean, the reality of the situation is we have obligations. So, yes, we, can, we, we may not like what we like, and we have maybe a... Like, if you said, if everybody said, do you want to get rid of taxes? Of course... Probably 100% of people would say, let's get rid of taxes, but it's not possible. So we have, there are things that we can and can't do. Um, immigration, be it legal or illegal, and there's a, and I, I, I ha- you have to distinguish between the two types of immigration or mm. I- into the country. You have illegal immigration, which is not the case in this particular point. This is legal immigration coming from areas who are protection people who are already in a system being dealt with. We can talk about how that is not working. Mm. But in relation to what we can and can't do, yes, we all like things that we don't like in a democracy, but we have obligations because okay. those obligations work both ways. If it, the case were reversed and something happened in Ireland, we had to we had to flee the country for whatever reason, well, then people would have an obligation to look after us as well. Right. Gillian, I'd love your view on what, what both the lads have been saying there. Do you want to take Mark's one, first of all? We have obligations to do this, so we have to go ahead and we have to find somewhere for these people, even if it discommodes local communities. I think um, I agree with what you said. Um, unfortunate. And it is. it does boil down to lack of communication. Um, before any protest took place, a group of us went out and we asked the hotel owners to come out and tell us what's going on. They refused. Mm. We then asked local TDs to come out and talk to us, tell us what's going on. They refused. They would not come out. Um, so we were left thinking, look, Here's Ross Gray, forgotten about again. So we felt we had no choice, only to protest. That's the only way we could get 
the attention of the government, the attention of everybody in Ireland was to come out and protest because we were not, like in the past, we were not being listened to. And uh, Joe's point there that he is saying that if you form a human chain by its very nature, that has to be dealt with in some sort of a way. Now, Do you want human, to answer yes, that? I want, yeah, I would like to clarify that. The yeah. human chain was formed and we said out there it wouldn't be broken until we got answers. When the bus was coming up the road, we formed the human chain. Now, I want to make very, very clear that they could have pushed us out of the way like they did before that bus even got near us. So whoever was in charge of this operation, I'd like to call that person or, or those people out because there was no need whatsoever. No need. And this was done for the guard that had their cameras there. This was done to show us up in a bad light. They took those women and children out of that bus in front of that crowd. And after they took the women and children out of that bus, the bus proceeded, which the gate, remember, we were all out of the way at this stage. The bus backed back into the back of the Racket Hall Hotel to take their luggage off. Now, why were, were they not left on the bus and put through that? How dare whoever was in charge of that operation put those women and children so through that? So the bus that? was They're going the in, the bus got in anyway. The bus got in anyway while those women and children were trying to w- make their way into the hotel. Right, so what? What? what's your view of that then? What, what think, was going on there? I think it was done to make an example they knew what was going to happen. They knew they were coming. They knew they were using force. And they knew the pictures of these women and children. And they knew shouting was going to go on because there was people there that we could not control. They knew this was going to happen and this was going to shine Ross Gray in a bad light. And that was the objective of this operation. No other. There was no other objective. Give me some of the, 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 the backstory. You, you, you protested where the convent was concerned, for, for, for example. So even yeah. at that point, there was mm-hmm. an issue with services, I guess, and with what was available there's, locally. Yeah. Will, will you just tell me about that? Yeah, there's an issue for, with services in Ross Grey, um, and it's going back many years. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, the elected TDs and stuff in Ross Grey, um, they're just not standing up. They're not... For the they're town. Not doing, they're not doing enough for the town. Like, you drive through Nina you drive through Burr. They're booming towns. Tempenmore is okay. But you come to Ross Grey and it's absolutely... And this plan to make it a 10-minute town. Um, like, yeah, you drive through it in 10 minutes, you wouldn't want to stay there. Now, they there's would say to you there's shops. been a lot of extra construction there in the, the, the centre of the town. The centre of the town there. now, in which it was supposed to be an age-friendly town. And that was the reason for the seats and that was the reason for... Um, the planning for the town the way it is and if you drive through Ross Grey you'll see there's three zebra crossings on top of each other now whoever planned that out needs to be spoken to that's ridiculous but you have all these seats and you have everything and they're not being used by local people now no offence to these guys they have nothing to do in Ross Grey only sit on these seats these are asylum asylum seekers they're sitting on these seats day and night are, are, under, are they largely phones. male? All male. All male. All male. And they're sitting on these seats day and night. Because they have nothing to they do. They have nothing to do. There's no jobs for them. There's no facilities in place for them. Never mind for the Ross Grey people. And, and what is the result of that then? Well, the result of that is, is people are scared. Obviously people are scared. Yeah, it's an old Irish town. As they would around any group, any group of young lads. No matter the colour of their skin, any group of young lads hanging around like that is going to put older people off and the younger um, people off. And of course we have to look, and I don't mean to bring this up, but we have to look at the case of Ashley Murphy. Mm. Like one of the uh, people that were interviewing there for, I don't know which was RT or Primetime, uh, brought that up to us. 
Mm. And they were saying to us, but sure, Joseph Pushka mm. was in the country for 10 years. Yes, he was. But he was up mm. for statutory rape in his own country. How did he get in here? But the, the, we don't the, know their The past. commissioner is telling us that there's no correlation between, you know, refugees mm. being in a community and crime uh, rising. There's, there's no... There's no, nothing to see Brian, there. I could show you videos here. We have a video circulating in Ross Grey where one of these um, asylum seekers, um, I'd say in his 30s, big man, stripped down in the cold weather to his uh, to just wearing a tracksuit bottoms and he's kicking outside the central house, yeah. kicking and kicking and kicking but a pole I, over I, and over. Like if a, a member of the public, this was late what, at night. What some people might by. say to you, Gillian, is that, you know, you could find a local guy doing that after a few pints in the pub as well. Do you, do you, do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I, I, I can get where you're coming from, Fran, but yeah. we don't know these people. When you have a local guy doing that in Rasgray, you know, right. oh, here, that's Jimmy down the road. You know, he's harmless. We don't know if these people right. are harmless. Joe, do you want to respond to, to some of what you've been hearing there now? Yeah, I do, because I think what, what saddens me, I suppose, a bit about all this, really and truly, and that is, you know, would the same protest arrive like about a... Uh, uh, would the same protest take place in front of a drug dealer's house? That we all know who drug dealers are and we all know who they are. Would the same protest take place if a convicted murderer had his time served and he was come back out again or a paedophile was come back out into the area and people know who he was? Would the same protest take place for that as is taking place? today. These are the things that annoy me a bit. And they also annoy me a bit as well about some politicians. You know, this is a real gravy train for opposition politicians. I'd say someone can't believe their ears that this opportunity has arisen, that they can attack the government, attack the government, attack the government. I totally agree. I'd be the first to say we should have a lot more systems in place when people are coming in. If you could pick a town we'll say that the first asylum seekers have arrived in, whatever town that is, I don't know where it is, we'll just pick... Town A that they arrived in, we'll just say four years ago. What else has arisen or has happened in that town? Has any facilities, extra facilities been put in place in that town to assist these people or to integrate these people or whatever else? Like I was in a I was in a provision centre there um about three months ago and where there's a couple of hundred people staying. Right. Now, I, only, I was only there really for work by, it was accidental that I was there, but I was there anyway. And I would have to say that the place was spotless. I would have to say that the conditions were a bit primitive, but was spotless. I saw the food being cooked there. I just arrived at the lunchtime and the food was being cooked. I'd have eaten it myself, but I wasn't offered it. But as, as I was there, hand on heart, as I was there, I, I did ask the question, is there many people here? I was told there was 300. All right. And is there many working? Uh, 98% are working. No. And I said, all right, great. Mm. Now, I didn't ask how long they were there. I didn't ask how many years they were there. I didn't ask those well, questions. There must be a lot of work in that town. It must be a booming town, but Ross Grey isn't. But, uh, I, no, I, I accept that point. I do accept that point. And I'm just saying that they were there. But what the other thing that's coming on the back of this, and it is, and it has, uh, thankfully, it didn't happen in Ross Grey, but you have to look at these things. We have to take it in the round. When you go to places like Galway or Longford or wherever else, these arson attacks now are taking place and all these things, that's gone way, way too far. Mark referred to earlier on about the middle ground and all this. Mm. That has gone way, way too far. Mm. You're now gone into criminal activity and I'm not, I, I might be Joe, but I'm not a holy Joe and I don't come along and see, I can understand how these things happen. Well, what's happening here, the adrenaline starts, the adrenaline starts and the next thing nobody says stop. That's all through lack of communication and lack of dialogue. This has to be sorted. In 12 months time, Ros Gray has to, has to move on and has to move on and I would like to go back and I, it's a pity and it is a pity that the owners or the management of the 
the hotel don't uh, come out and stand up and speak and, and put forward the spokesperson and say, well, listen, the hotel was failing if it was. The people weren't That's supporting it if that was the case. I don't know what the president was saying. But then. But surely, Joe, uh, oh, okay, if I, if I owned Racket Hall yeah. and, and I, I said to the government, look, you know, it's available to you if if you want. Surely, is it not the responsibility of the department to say, okay, that's in Ross Grey. They have their more more than their fair share of people. Exactly. There are already social issues within the town. Um, why would we impose that? Let's look to town B and yeah. where, where where there are more opportunities that and services. Be, but that would be a plan. That would be a plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you know, we, we talk about it. Is that, that what be, it is, Mark? Yeah, yeah. it is. And as well as that, if I could just finish on this point, and yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark spoke for me there. That is exactly <laughs> it. And what you're going to, and you're also going to look and you're going to say, well, so many go to Munster, so, and you also going to say people going as as Gillian has referred to there to a centre like of of um, where there's a population size. You know, if you come to a village, we'll just say a small village somewhere, they can't take eighty or ninety people. A bigger town can, and a city can take maybe a thousand people. Mm. It's all relative, and mm. it's relative to amenities. It's relative to services. And there's nearly a thousand doctors. in Rossgrave. Yeah. And it's all relative, like everything is relative. So it's a, it's a lot of people. Are you hearing anything though? Because I mean, they're talking about the three major centres in 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 uh, Dublin. I, I think being yeah. constructed or talked yeah. about being. Is, is that what's required here, Mark? If well, you're to go no, down I, the I mean, road of our obligations. No, I, I these major centres. I, I I have a problem with major centres in in any respect of of grouping huge numbers of yeah. the, of of the same. People doesn't matter what it is, be it you know all men, all women, yes. or whatever. I, I, having or, or we we keep talking about, and if you look at the planning strategies that have been for donkeys years in Ireland, is about social diversity and social integration. On that basis, then you shouldn't be putting like you know a big centre and you're going to house a thousand people in one place. That I, I mean, they were talking was it the the city west and yeah. things places like that. Th- you know that style of yeah, uh, no, maybe yes. for a very short period of time as they arrive in until they're sorted out and they move on like for two months or something, move on and you have these like. I mean, I just said a welcome centre, but like a, just a, 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 a processing centre sounds even worse, you know, sorry. But a but place where they go and they're, and they're devised. Where I would see a much better plan is that you look at, say, around major cities like Cork and Limerick and, and Galway and, and other places where in the satellite towns around that place, which may be able to take, we'll put, you know, 20 or 30 people there, 10 people there, 15 people over here. Because what has happened, and I mean, we know from in the early parts of when the Ukraine war happened, is that some of the schools where where Ukrainians were put into have remained open because they have these extra children in it. So it is it is possible to integrate. But, you, but if you said, like, we'll put a, we'll put a, a small centre of maybe ten, house 10 or 15 mixed single men, families and everything in there, we move them around and spread them out, you know. And we also then have to look at, well, these people don't have transport, so there has to be a transport element to it. So they've got to be close mm. to transport links. I mean, yes. make, Ross Cray is not near a major metropolis yeah, is area. It, is there any that's... talk of that, Gillian? How this will work in terms of giving these people access to shops or what? Is there any talk about that? Will there be bus uh, routes? There's, just, from... uh, there's local links. Um right. A couple of local link buses that take these people in to do their shopping. But I they're already very busy. They're already very busy. Yeah. So, um, like, they take them in for their shopping and everything else. And we knocked the door of Racket Hall and we just got to speak to one member of staff and we said, look, these people must be terrified to come out past this protest. I said, but tell them to come, feel free 
to come right. and come and go, do their shopping. But they they and, won't and be what's, interfered what's, with in any no, way. No way whatsoever. And um, they've been invited to different things at in Rossgrey to the local library. Uh, there's, there's little children there, you know, bring mm. them to the local library. They'll be met, feel very welcome. And um, what they're not shown as well is myself included and a lot of the women who um, are involved in the protest. Uh, we brought out ties, mm. games, mm. clothing, because we don't know whether they just came with the clothes on their back. Yes. Uh, Ross Grey is a very friendly town and the way it's been portrayed is absolutely disgusting. All right. And we'll get to that in a moment. Just let yeah. me take a break. We'll be right back to our panel. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. In that, I often say on this programme that I'd love to have the mics open uh, during the breaks. In that case, I'm delighted that we didn't have the mics open uh, during the breaks, but there you go. Anyway, our Friday panel, uh, Mark Small is with us, Gillian Dunn and uh, Joe Leahy. Um, before we move on, and again, I'll ask you at this point, a little later, Mark, as a mediator, how you would deal with this now, knowing all we know and with all that's going on. But first of all, can I just deal with the fact of what you've been called that those references uh, yesterday Heather Humphreys really I mean we're using the word unfortunate quite a bit but really she questioned how people can uh, go to refugee demonstrations in the middle of the day when everybody else is working was that particularly insulting was that a it was yeah it was aimed at the Ross Grey people unemployment in Ross Grey is through the roof and so what do you read there? Is it to say these are a bunch of people who are, are social people, welfare? Yeah, run social welfare, uh, soaking up the system, scamming the system and everything else. No, that's not the case. That's yeah. not the case. There's no work in Rossgrey. There is no work in Rossgrey. And they continue to bring asylum seekers and refugees into a town where there is absolutely no work. And Philip Bryan, uh, an analysis piece, I found that word hard to say for some reason, in the in the Independent today, he's saying, yeah, you have a right to good health care, a right to children having a proper education, that's fair enough, but the right to have somewhere close to your home to celebrate your 30th birthday is a bit of a stretch. He obviously lives in a place where there's a lot of hotels. Right. Yeah, it's not just for that, it's um, for the older generation as well. Uh, they used to go out there and they'd have their coffee mornings. Um, they'd have bands like Foster and Allen, and stuff like that. Like if they, if that wasn't com- that, that's coming, that's not coming to Racket Hall now. So those older people who are into the country mm. music, they have to travel, to, travel to other places. That shouldn't be. And again, that should uh, be available to everyone in just, every community. I, obviously, Gillian, I'm just putting to you some of what's been said on the newspapers. I've some people saying it to us as well that you know the locals didn't support the hotel in the first place, and maybe if they did, we wouldn't be in the position they're we're in do you want to do you want to take that yeah 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 that's crazy like um yeah like racket hall is a little bit out you have to have transport obviously out there uh so obviously you wouldn't have a lot of people you wouldn't have all the ross people in there having their dinners having their meals Mm. all the rest of it but weddings communions confirmations now these people who are saying these things if they have children um do they have them at home no i'm sure they go to the poshest hotel they can find and they have them in these places but we have nothing now. Funerals, we have nothing. Uh, the people, a lot of people used Racket Hall because you have a lot of people, we have to remember, a lot of people don't like the pub atmosphere. So when you go to a hotel, it's a different, different atmosphere. Mm. 
you can choose to sit in a lounge area. You don't have to be sitting at a bar. Yeah, it's more child friendly, I guess. And it's more child friendly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there's a little garden there for them to go out and play with. Um, some people would rent out little bouncing castles and stuff when there is things going on, even weddings. I've mm. seen it, and afters of weddings, they'd have bouncing castles there for the children. So that, that can't, can't, that happen, can't happen anymore. But so for them to the, say this is but, just... You know, but the just, answer to you all and the answer to all of these issues is a community hotel in the township, isn't it? And yet they can't tell us what's a community hotel. When we ask, right. what is a community hotel? And you see, they, this is what they want. They, a community hotel, right? So... By calling us racists and by calling us Nazis and stuff like that, that's going to put off any private uh, business person coming in and saying, oh, well, I'll buy Grant's Hotel now and I'll do this and I'll do mm. that. They're not going to want to do that now because... In a town full of Nazis. In a town the... full of Nazis, exactly. Like for Breed Smith to get up and say the things that she said and not be reprimanded, yeah. it's absolutely crazy. In this day and age, like she needs to go home and look up racism on, in the dictionary. And what about Michael Smith saying that you have a lot of work to do now in the future to regain your credibility in the town and to regain your character in the town and all of that? What, what about that? Well, that's why I'm here today, to be honest with you, Fran, and that's why um, we're given so many interviews, but some of them are being snipped and they're kind of being edited to what whatever people want to call it, but... I'm just here today to let people know, and I'm very strong on this, and so many people came to me last night when they heard I was coming on the panel today. Please, please tell the people the truth. The truth will always come to the fore, and it has. Mm. And the, the truth the, the is, truth, Gillian? The truth is, it was handled very badly by the Garda commissioners, the greedy owners of the hotel that refused to come out and talk to the people and let the people know what was going on. Well, they wouldn't see themselves as greedy. They would see that as a commercial decision. But anyway, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but... All this, and like you said, the lack of communication. It's absolutely, and to be portrayed the way we're being portrayed is absolutely... And like I said, if people really want to see what the Ross Grey people are like, come out, put your boots on the ground, come out to us. Come out right. and chat to us, because we're far from far right or Nazis or whatever people would like to call us. It's community, community Hotel, Joe, uh, what did you make of that as a... Oh, I thought it was absolutely utter nonsense, friend. Um, let's mm. be straight up about it. Yeah. Like, I have seen in different places, and it has worked, in different rural areas around Ireland, you know, you have the local pub, there's nothing else there, the local pub, a group of locals buy it, have seen it, and it has worked. Do you know what I mean? They appoint a manager, they invest in it, they're keeping the show on the road for... They're creating a community, they're helping the community to survive. Hotel is a different ballgame altogether. Mm. I see, like, I would... Like, what I would see, the whole... T- all this to me is a total lack of communication. I think there was a commercial decision made by the owners and they said, right, we have an opportunity here to fill our rooms to get our back, our books balanced to get more money into the place. Because, you know, I gone up there staying there tonight or tomorrow night is only a one-stop. I gone in for two cups of coffee. You know, I gone in for two cups of coffee. I'm going to sit around any hotel or the where it is. I'm going to laze around there in the, the, the morning like this morning have two cappuccinos or whatever else for an hour and a half while somebody is on 13.50 or 14.50 an hour. I'm not going to even pay for the price of a candle with the profit of the bloody thing. So these things have to be supported realistically and, and they have to be marketed. I think the key to it, and you you know you've said it there, is the fact that it is out of town. It is out of town. And I would see a lot of hotels around the country that are out of town. And as Ireland has moved forward, I don't know whether to use the word progress, but it hasn't moved forward, and we've done away with the drink drive in et al., 
the out-of-town places are finding a lot more difficult to survive. Uh, let it be the hotel, let it be the country pub, let it be anything else. And I think we definitely, if the government are to learn anything by the last couple of weeks, not alone in Ross Grey, you had it in Ballinrobe, you had it in, you have it now in Lanesbury, you had it somewhere else in Galway there as well. They should appoint, the Minister for Roderick O'Gorman, he should definitely appoint some type of a PR individual that will get off their backside, go down and talk to the people in these areas. But the problem that they're facing is that nobody likes change. And if you have any town where you're going to have an influx of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people, somebody is going to object to that. And they'll say, no, not on my doorstep. And that's what they will do. Mark, if I was to come to you and if I was to employ you at this stage and I say, look, we are where we are where all of this is concerned, all of this case is concerned, where to now, how can we get around this, how can we repair relationships, how can... Well, I mean, you... Well, you okay. wouldn't take the gig for starters, I guess, would you? Well, no, I mean, I've, I've done some fairly significant uh, mediations in groups, in, in large group settings. I mean, and, and the problem we have is it, you'd have to consider this as a large group setting mediation. Um where we you have you have an event that's happened um you can't undo it but what you what what doesn't work what doesn't work in this is large group meetings um the, the reason for that is like that public it, meetings the public meetings are to a certain extent are a waste of time in at this stage why because what happens is very a very few very vocal which could be the minority will gen, generally overtake the the process they over scream, shout, and, and then it starts to become divisive because the people maybe get frustrated. In dealing with large groups like this, and I've done I've done a couple of them, is you need to break it down into smaller groups. So you need to kind of you know things that you would do like and I did in some of them is you you'd, you'd send a questionnaire around to people, and on an anonymous basis you give them and say what are the issues, and also you have to ask them what are the solutions as you see it because we can't you can't you have to have two sides to this you can't just say no 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 so you have to have what solutions, then what you can do is you can then start to com- combine like-minded people who could maybe work together in little groups to maybe solve some individual problems. I mean, there, I mean, Ross Gray has some serious problems now. One is it has an image problem. That is something that needs to be solved and has to be dealt with as well. It has, it has an issue where there, there is a commercial deal now in place, so it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we deal with that? So, but, but, there, but there's always solutions if people, if people kind of put aside the, the emotion. I mean, it's highly emotive now. And I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I could imagine, like, say, in, 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 like, I mean, where I live, if I was being called a Nazi, I mean, mm-hmm. I, we're not. I mean, yes. I'm like, and Gillian here is, I mean, genuine, is I mean, a very genuine, very genuine concerns. And is, I mean, and we have a middle ground of people who are not. We have the extremes, and it's the extremes. I mean, I think it's it's disgraceful for a politician to stand up Correct. in our in Correct. our parliament mm-hmm. and call citizens who are clearly not Nazis. Mm. I mean, that is something which I find abhorrent in that respect because mm. we shouldn't be linking and in fairness to the Count the, Corla he, he took serious yeah, issues I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. because, yeah. because yeah. it's under the Doyle privileges there's yeah. no sanctions but yeah. I mean I think the basis for this is the only way this will get solved is dialogue but also right. meaningful and structured and it involves bringing in sort of people in to do something along these lines but also then you have to bring in the politicians as a group yeah we've asked it, exactly what you're saying yeah a small group of us got together I say a small group, I'd say three or four people along the, with yeah. Shanley. And we've asked the TDs, look, come on board. Let us put the proposals from the Ross Grape. And what, what reaction did you get to, to None. That? None? None. 
You mean they didn't respond? They didn't respond. Yeah. You see, the other thing, Fran, with a political head that's happening here too now, you see, as as the great um, Pat Hart said under some character or other, you know, we're now in election year. Mm. Yeah. You mm. see, and everybody here, you see, is minding their own hat. And I won't comment mm. on Fran comments. So Fran won't comment until Gillian comments. Mm. And yeah. we'll wait now to see what Mark says first. Mm. And that's what's going on here. Uh, if you stand back like and look at it and you see all these things. And they're all mm. counteracting each other's comments and we'll wait and we'll see. Mm. And people are saying, so, so came out bad out and someone else came out. Because we're now in this thing where everybody is now minding their own back, their own job. Mm. And what they're trying to do is... And I presume, and I don't mean to patronise it, but I presume everybody is aware that there is electioneering going on here as well, using the occasion. Yes, 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 definitely. The the key to mediation is confidentiality during the process. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when right. when the mediation process is on, and this is this is a struggle for large group mm-hmm. mediations, and this is why you break it into small groups. Everybody signs up for for a period of time, be it uh, a week or two weeks, wherever we decide the duration of mediations to confidentiality. We don't talk about it. We mm-hmm. don't talk about what's going on in it. Everybody's views are are, are anonymized. Mm. The politicians can you know they can partake or not partake, and the decisions that come out of it then are the group decision. So it's not mm-hmm. attributed to say the politicians is that. That is a very that's a big struggle for people who want publicity, and it's how you kind of t- knock people out of the mediation process very early. Mm. The people who are just there for their own don't have the good. For their own so game, there's a couple of, course, of yes. rules that have to be in place. Gillian, I started with you, so let me finish yeah. with, with you. Um, two, two things: Do you see it as a fair complaint now? The the hotel is going to be used to accommodate mm-hmm. 160 people. Do you, mm-hmm. do you see that now as absolute, and you can't stop that now? Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. the people of Ross Gray know that now. The right. hotel or uh, racket hall is gone. Right. So people can see. So that. from here on in, then what you're protesting about and what you will continue to protest is lack of services and I suppose what it is can be done for the town now. Exactly. This is about building Ross Gray from the bottom up now, and that's with the Ross Gray people, with the refugees, and with the asylum seekers working together. That's what we want to see happening, and we want answers mm. to know what they're going to do for this town. There's a majority of the people are not going to let go. There's a march in Ross Grey. We're marching through the town uh, Saturday at half past two, peacefully. And I repeat that, peacefully. And we are going to say that there's a couple of people going to stand up and speak. And after that, going forward, they are going to stay at Racket Hall until we know for certain that something is going to be done. They're not going to say, hey, look, we'll just tell them now there's a community hotel going to be brought in here. We'll tell them now we'll bring in an extra dentist, we'll bring in an extra nurse, we'll bring in extra... No. We want actions, not words. Right. And when you say action, what are you talking about if it's not just an extra dentist or it's an extra doctor? What What exactly do you would you like to hear or what would appease the situation now? I think what would appease the situation is if the TDs that we voted in in the first place would come out and address the people and tell them, look... This is what's going on. Tell us what decision has been made by government for Ross Gray. And like um, Minister O'Gorman promised after the convent in his office, promised us that that was it. He agreed Ross Gray was full. They were, have done their part. Were you at that meeting? Were you? No. No. Um, I, was, I was invited. Yes. But to be honest, I could see what was going to happen right. down the road. But that comment was made and that That comment was made. made. Uh, Shane Lee was there and a local um, lady, Martina Monaghan, doing brilliant work. And can I just say, a friend as well, there's a family in particular that's out at this protest um, and that'd be Maria Phelan and her family and I have to commend them. They have held their cool. They have been out there all sorts of weather and that family has really, really rallied up the people and they're so passionate. But okay. again, I will have okay. to get across peaceful. 
There, I must leave it for today, but thanks to Gillian and uh, to Mark and uh, to Joe. Excellent uh, panel as uh, ever. Uh, Emma produced today, and it's Emma's uh, very last day with us here on uh, Tip today. And I just just want to say thank you to her because she's, I mean, this show has been successful uh, over the last few years, and a lot of that will be down to to Emma's work. So we wish her well in in her future career. Thanks for that, guys. All right, look after yourself. Stephen's on the way with the time tunnel. I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.